0: Thank you. Everybody and welcome to the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined once again by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello, and Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello, Britt, how you doing? I think we need to
1: introduce the bacteria film on my tongue as its own guest, ladies and gentlemen. Before we started recording the show, I was drinking some macadamia nut liqueur. And I literally feel like my tongue is a cotton swab right now.
2: Can we see the bottle? Yes. I thought you were going to ask to see her tongue.
1: I did too. And I was kind of wondering how that was going to work. And hey, like huh. I, I'll do what I got to um, do.
2: The
0: fact that it's clear, like almost completely clear, is maybe a problem. So can you read the, what the label says no, for No, that's me? got a yellow tinge to it. it.
1: It looks, yeah, like very diluted urine. Kahana Royale <laughs> Macadamia Nut liqueur. It's like mm. an
2: afternoon pee. That's not a morning pee.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, that's very good analysis.
0: Um, that's a, I've been drinking all night pee. Yeah. <laughs> but hello, hi, hi, hello, hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Whether this is your first episode or your one hundred and fifty fourth episode. We're so glad that you are joining us on What's Good Games, your video games podcast. We have got a bunch of announcements, so we might as well just go ahead and dive right in. Britt, take it away with our Patreon stream. Oh my goodness. So this
1: Friday, April 24th at 2 p.m. Pacific, our happy hour Q&A, a a stream available for all patrons, kicks off. And then a few hours later at 4.30 p.m. Pacific, we have an after-hour stream, which is available to a specific tier and above on our Patreon. Now... Have we decided a game? It's that one, right? The dating? Later yeah, so we daters? talked about
0: doing later daters. And then I remembered that Predator is also happening. Uh, so that could be fun. Um, oh. But yeah, I think later daters sounds like it'll be a good time. And that's a dating sim
1: with old people. which Correct. it's like kind of right up our alley. And it's kind of perfect. So, And then Andrea, you're going to have to tell us, you have Games Beat coming up next week. How can people yes. watch the
0: content? Yes, so I was actually just looking up the exact link. So the URL you're going to want to go to is gamesbeatsummit.com. And what you're going to want to do is register for the live stream. So if you go to the page and you just click on join the live stream for free, it's going to take you to an Eventbrite page. And so the Eventbrite page is going to have the different ticket options. But what you can do is just click on tickets And then you'll see where they have the live stream only access pass where you can register for free. They also have a variety of other access passes that give you access to breakout rooms and Q&As and small group sessions that are designed for more business focused people that are coming to the event that are looking to network. So definitely check those out if you think that applies to you. If you just want to hear the talks, all you have to do is click click on the registration for the live stream access and then it'll just take you to the regular event bright live stream checkout and you're good to go. So GameSpeed Summit is a like a small convention every year that focuses on doing panels and fireside chats and more intimate talks about the business side of the business. It's put on by VentureBeat, And so there's definitely like a VC focus and thus the more business side of the business. And what's been great about emceeing with VentureBeat for the last couple of years is that I've really gotten to see a side of the industry that I don't get a lot of exposure to normally. And I've had to have, I've got to have a lot of really great conversations with people as well. So this year, of course, because of everything happening with the pandemic, they canceled the event that was supposed to be at the Two-Bit Circus here in downtown Los Angeles and instead have moved everything online. And so all of the talks are being conducted via Zoom and they're still selling digital tickets. But what's really great about this event is that it's free streaming for anybody, which is fantastic because they don't typically stream all of the content from Gainspeed Speed Summit, just select talks. It, but if you want to have more access to the event, like if you want to get into the private Slack channels, if you want to be part of the roundtable discussions that are happening in Zoom breakout rooms, then there is a digital ticketing fee for that. And if you guys go to my Twitter at Andrea Renee, I'll pin a tweet about all of the information for Games Beat Summit if you guys want to participate. But you can just pop into the streams if you want. I'll show you guys where you can find the agenda and you can look at all the talks that are happening throughout the day. There's some some good ones. So the one that we're kicking off on Wednesday morning after the Women in Gaming breakfast, I got an amazing opportunity to reconnect with some of my old... Clever Games and Smosh Games family, uh, Mari Takahashi and Joshua Ovenshire. So the Jovenshire and Atomic Mari for people who aren't familiar. And I also got the opportunity to connect again with Mrs. May, who is a big streamer. You may have known her from her days on Twitch, but now she's streaming on Facebook Gaming. And we talked about the future of gaming influencers. And it was a really fun little conversation. So that's happening Wednesday morning. I believe it begins at... 9:45 or 10 a.m. is when that starts streaming live that talk but yeah anyway it's gonna be fun it's gonna be great if you want to learn all of the details it's over two days april 28th and april 29th next week streaming uh, online and anybody can join for free please go to my twitter account at Renee, and i will tweet all the links to all the things
1: hell yeah girl but you've also been busy with something else you finally did what's good wine
0: Oh! Oh, I did. Yeah. You know, it's crazy that I I completely forgot that I haven't really talked about this on the show yet because I launched the first episode. Um, after Friday's show went live. So you guys know that I've been talking about this forever. We have done several wine tastings on What's Good, and don't worry, we are going to be doing more. And (laughs) I finally just decided, you know, now is the time to kick off this content. So I uploaded my first video, and you can find that on Instagram, at what's good wine is the best place to follow. I am also uploading the videos to my YouTube channel, my personal YouTube channel. But because I, and I didn't know that this was a thing, so I made a bunch of my really old videos private because I was like, these are like so old. They're like literally from like 2007, 2009. Mm-hmm. I had a video of me holding a, like a like a little camcorder recording the 2011 Nintendo E3 press conference. <laughs> and I was like, nobody wants to watch like shaky cam from the audience like <laughs> recording the press conference. I was like, what am I even doing with these videos? So I made like a bunch of my videos private. And i and YouTube like dropped my account down. And so I no longer have my redirect because you used to be able to go to youtube.com slash Andrea Renee and get to my page and no more. They're like, Oh, you're no longer a partner because I've made all of my watch hours private. Uh... And I was like, didn't realize that was going to happen. So I guess I could make them all public again, but now I'm just like, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Just go to Instagram. Instagram is, is the new hotness for, for short form videos, not for, you know, three-hour podcast like what's good games but
1: yeah no we'd probably break everything but go check it out it's a very very well-done video and you are very good at your craft of the editing i was very
0: impressed i was like damn girl boy that edit took me a long time (laughs) and it's still not where i wanted to be but at a moment i was like i I envisioned Brittany in my ear being like it's good enough just put it up (laughs) stop obsessing over it just 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 publish it just get it out there into
2: the world you can always iterate
0: (laughs) there you go exactly so, I would it, really appreciate if you guys checked it out.
1: Go do it. And then over on YouTube.com slash What's Good Games, I have been uploading some unboxing videos. So, a couple weeks yeah. ago, I uploaded the Resident Evil 3 Collector's Edition unboxing. And then this week, I found my God of War Stone Masons Collector's Edition, which still sat in its Best Buy cardboard box in Jason's office. And I was like, well... It's been two years since the game's been out. I probably should unbox this. We can call it a celebration of the anniversary of its release. And I've been meaning to do that for a while. And it was covered with Jason's clothes, and I kind of forgot about it. But I did unbox that, and it was a good time. And I found this Mimir head in the Collector's Edition, which oh, is really That's so
0: cool. Yeah, and I he, love he he call me Mimir, smartest man alive. And I have the answer to your every
1: question. <sighs> no, it was a fun trip down memory lane to remember... All of the things that made that game so cool. There's the map in there. There's Mimir's head. There are these little carvings. There's Brock and Sindri. And a really bomb-ass statue. So, because everyone seems to really enjoy these, I also have a Horizon Zero Dawn collector's edition that I have not opened. So, my plan is... <laughs> <laughs> wow!
0: Wow, wow, wow!
1: It's real bad. I know. Because I, after I played Horizon, I was so obsessed with it, I went on Amazon and bought it for way too much... i loved it so much i wanted it because i just bought all new shelves for my room in here anyway so i'm gonna be unboxing that probably next week and then the week after that i'm sure i'll find something else to unbox so yes youtube.com slash what's good games if you (laughs) want to watch me grunt instead of shaking our heads
2: because i love that you're just like i don't know i had i've had this box for two years like Uh, that is just incomprehensible to me i don't there's no box in my house that i have not opened for two years i mean
1: do you see your house it's fucking spotless i'm looking at it and it oh, could no. just. You, i uh, thought you were gonna it's, say it's
2: small and i was gonna be like yes it is
1: <laughs> oh well no yeah it is spotless it was in jason's office and he had a whole bunch of clothes over it and i completely forgot it existed and then there yeah i was like whoops i should do that so there you go also next week will be our patreon third segment because this week we're doing our final fantasy 7 spoiler cast in the third segment next week, if you go to patreon.com slash what's good games, we have a poll up there where you can vote on a topic you want us to talk about. And right now, the topic in the lead is what is the first thing we're going to do after the stay at home measures are lifted?
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. I have so many things I want to do. You got to pick one. Uh, one. The people have spoken. So
1: yes. And then we'll give our mythic patron shout outs next week as well. And that's. About all the announcements I got. I mean, that was a, that was a lot of
0: announcements. Yeah, it was pretty beefy this week. Yeah, beefy. Now I want beef. Mm, sure, that beef. can be arranged. Yeah, John's making steaks later. Oh, there you, there you go. Steak, steak, steaks, steaks, um, steaks. Well, it's hot here now, so I feel like it's it's like grill time. Grill time. Sorry, I had to take a quick sip. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for suffering through our very long announcement section. We appreciate that you guys give us your attention and give us your time and that you support all of our extracurricular activities. I know that lots of you have showed up in my Twitch stream chats to say that you really appreciate all the extra content from Britt's videos to the streams to the Monday show. And I'm so glad that you guys are enjoying it. And we're glad that we you know have the time to make it. So... Thank you for supporting us. Speaking of people who support us, shout out to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Faris Atay, Muhammad Muhammad, Marcus Brown, Punctified, and Malay Bittner. And welcome to our Patreon community, Noor Haman, Logan Price, Paul Arias, Arias? The male escort, but it's male like, as in like like The U.S. male, yeah. So you're a male like man
1: it. or male woman.
0: I like it. Caesar Lara, Henry Jackson, and Alex Goveo. And Brittany, we've got some new podcast reviewers. We do.
1: We have Tiberius523. I don't know why I'm talking like this. We have Darth Link90, who <laughs> said, This podcast is produced by Troll X Chromosomes Incarnate, and that makes it exceptional. And I didn't know what Troll X Chromosomes was, so I looked it up. And according to the Google machine, which is according to the Reddit machine, it's a subreddit for rage comics and other memes with a girly slant. Huh. Sure, why not? Yeah, I'll take it. Look, they had some funny stuff on there. And then we have a review from Slaychar who says, I like to learn new gobbledygook kind of not-so-common English words. I get a lot of them in a mobile game I play, and you use them, too. And it adds way more to my vocab. So <laughs> ah, we use gobbledygook, thanks. and we help Slychar with their English words that they probably shouldn't be learning. But hey.
0: Gobble- gobbledygook. Now I'm going to have to try to figure out a way to work interesting and exciting words into this podcast. I
1: need to bring back my British slang that I was oh, doing. Yeah, for that a while. was fun. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. Also oh, it was
0: like almost a year ago.
1: Yeah, it's it's said. Oh, I know. It's fun. Yeah, like a month from now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Jaderinski and Jane Girl 117. Thank you so much for your reviews. They really help us out and we see the impact of those reviews because we track our analytics through the podcast algorithms and we can see our rankings increase and that's all thanks to, you know, your lovely little downloads and reviews and five stars. So, thank you so much.
0: And that's what she said. Let's get into the news. And this week, What's Good Games is brought to you by Upstart. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is pretty easy, but getting out of debt is hard, especially if your credit score isn't great, and especially right now. Thankfully, there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score and offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high interest credit card debt. I vividly remember going through the Great Recession and what it did to my credit, having to put everything on credit cards and really max it out, and my score just dropped. And it was a bad place to be in. And if Upstart.com had existed Back then, during the Great Recession, I probably would have been in a much better place. And hopefully, you're not suffering during what's happening during the pandemic. But if you are, and you are having financial struggles, hopefully Upstart can help you too. Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness. They actually reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter rate. Upstart believes that you're more than just your credit score. They believe in you, like as a person, as in like a human being with a name and a face. (laughs) They make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate. Since it's just a soft pull, it's not going to affect your credit score, because I know that that's a concern for a lot of people when using these financial services. The hard pull happens if you accept your rate. But hopefully, if you're in that position, it means that Upstart's gonna be able to help you. And the best part, once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. You guys, the next day. That's huge. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards or meet their financial goals, so you can free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. If you're curious about how you can get started and see why Upstart is the top-ranked financial service in their category with 4.9 out of a 5-star rating on Trustpilot, You need to go to upstart.com slash what's good to find out how low your upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes and, again, does not affect your credit score. you got to go to upstart.com slash what's good. That's U-P-S-T-A-R-T dot com slash what's good to check your rate. All you got to do is just check it. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. But maybe they'll be able to help you out. Upstart.com slash what's good. Brittany. Yes. Turns out, a lot of people like Animal Crossing. Wowzers. Maybe I'm I'm one of those people.
1: I can't believe it. I still can't believe it. Shock. Horror. We'll get into that, though. Oh, my God. All right. Yes. Yes. So IGN has this article, March 2020 was a record-breaking month for Nintendo Switch and Animal Crossing New Horizons. March 2020 was a record-breaking month for both the Nintendo Switch and Animal Crossing New Horizons, with Animal Crossing achieving the third highest launch, lunch, highest launch, <laughs> <laughs> lunch. Launch. launch month, physical dollar and unit sales of any Nintendo-published game, and passing Call of Duty Modern Warfare as the best-selling game of the month. As wow. revealed, mm, as revealed by NPD's video game analyst Matt Piscatella, Animal Crossing: New Horizons sits only behind Super Smash Bros. Ultimate and Super Smash Bros. Brawl for the highest launch month physical software sales. Launch month sales of New Horizons have exceeded the lifetime sales of all other Animal Crossing titles, which makes this newest entry the best-selling game in franchise history. The Nintendo Switch set a new all-time record for hardware units in a March March month, besting the previous high that Nintendo has held since the launch of the Switch in March 2017. Switch has also generated the highest Q1 unit sales for any hardware platform since the Nintendo DS in Q1 2010, a number that also had to deal with Switch shortages around the world. And then this article goes on to more numbers that aren't necessarily Nintendo-specific. But, wowzers. I am flabbergasted so devin Nitz, patreon.com slash what's good game asks did the animal crossing switch sales surprise you or did you
0: expect it to do this well oh i'm definitely surprised i mean i think we all expected it to do well but well by animal crossing standards because animal crossing has never been in the top ranked games nor in the top selling games on nintendo platforms like, ever. It's always been Pokemon and Mario, right? And then, like, you know, Mario Kart and Zelda. But, like, when you think about Animal Crossing, they maybe cracked the top five. But, like, the idea that this pushed so many units of hardware that it sold out everywhere. We talked about this on the Monday show, how I went to Target recently to pick up cleaning supplies that I was running low on. And at the front door, they have a list, a handwritten list of everything they're out of that day. And so it was the usual suspects: toilet paper, hand sanitizer, Lysol wipes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then at the very bottom of the list, the only non-cleaning item on the list: Nintendo Switch. It's so. Funny. I need my toilet paper
2: and my Nintendo Switch. Don't at me. <laughs> Maybe I'm using them at the same time. Don't at me. Yes, you never know. And then Trevor <laughs>
1: asks, "Do you think Animal Crossing would have been as successful without the quarantine?"
2: I think it would have done well as andrea said but i do think the quarantine has kind of pushed it to these extremes because i mean for a lot of reasons one i think the tone of the game is correct for what is happening in the world right now everybody kind of wants like this happy whatever like oh i get to build this town and make my entire fantasy world and pretend like there's not a pandemic happening and I can still visit my friends and see their town. And like, it gives you a, a sense of normalcy in a way, even though your neighbors are animals. So that's <laughs> not normal usually. But... <laughs> Talking animals, i <at laughs> that, that Well, I'm like, do they all talk? They're just... <laughs> blah, 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 that's blah, true. Blah, blah. That's true. Okay. That's they're fair. All, that's fair. They're all gobbledygook. Um, but yeah, so no, I, I do think for sure this, this is... I mean, especially the way that it's just permeated I don't want to say pop culture, but at least Twitter culture. Like, oh, ever, I see so much on my timeline still. And this game has been out for a while now at this point. But um, just like so many people you wouldn't think that would be talking about Animal Crossing. Andrea, you'll be one of them later today, are are now yes. talking about this game. And I think that that speaks to it and might speak to the either the boredom people are feeling or <laughs> just there's something special about this game i think it's just the time i mean i think there's both right like obviously the game is good but right yeah
1: yeah i think andrea is the perfect example of someone without the quarantine who knows would you have picked up this game
0: probably not Yeah, honestly. no because right. some
2: other shit would be coming out
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah like uh, everything that's been de- everything that's been delayed hypothetically i mean if you think about well cyberpunk may have still been delayed cyberpunk um, would have still been delayed for sure um, but I think about, for me, I would have been catching up on games that I didn't get to play because of our travel, right? Because, it, like, before everything got canceled, Brittany, our march was, like, stacked oh, yeah. with travel for preview events um, and, and things like that. And, and I just think that I don't know where I would have found time to pick this up. And I definitely wouldn't have found time to stream it that's for sure. (laughs) Or to be in group discords being like, what do I do? How do I, what's the right, how many times a day can I like hit the rocks and get the stuff? Like, you know, like, I I don't know. So I, I, I truly think that it's, there's a Venn diagram overlap of how successful it is. But I agree with Steimer that it would have been successful no matter what, because this is clearly the best animal crossing game that I've ever seen. And I've, while I haven't played a lot of Animal Crossing games, I definitely have covered them throughout the course of my career. Um, and I think from a from a usability and feature set perspective, this just feels super accessible in a lot of ways. But also I think uh, something here that Matt was record- uh, reporting on that I think is important to kind of take a look at is physical sales. And this was the thing that kind of cra- was crazy to me. So it says that Animal Crossing sits only behind Super Smash Bros. Ultimate and Super Smash Bros. Brawl for the highest launch month physical software sales. That's bonkers when you think about how pervasive Super Mario Odyssey was when it came out and how important that game was. Not only that, but also Pokemon from last fall, right? Like, how is it possible that Animal Crossing is selling more physical copies? Digital copies, 100%. But like that to me was like, whoa. Do you think that's because they're including pack-ins for the consoles? Uh, I don't know.
2: But that- I not know because you could buy the console without the game. I bought the console before the game even came out.
1: Right? It's just so it's so crazy know. though. It's like dead better than I mean, Zelda and Mario, and it's
2: you crazy. saw the target sign. You, <laughs> just saw. I did see the target sign. <laughs> Maybe it's like everyone's like, I need my cleaning supplies and I need Animal Crossing and I need it now.
1: I don't blame him. Yeah. No, it's just crazy. I think I we you know like we we said this. We expected it to do well, but this well, like, damn, people love them. Some Tom Nook. Well, maybe not Tom Nook. No, No. No. No.
2: people don't tend to love (laughs) Tom Nook. He's
1: kind of. How do you
2: feel about Tom? Hmm. I think Tom Nook is not that bad. I think he offers extremely incredible loans. Yes, and I would be (laughs) (laughs) zero interest, zero interest that you can pay back at your leisure yeah and no penalties there's no there's no yeah i'm like this is can i buy a house with this kind of loan what if i went to a bank and i was just like yes i'd like to speak to tom nook oh, you should try that and then they're gonna be like we don't have anyone here named that i'll be like yes you do here are his terms
1: <laughs> he told me as such
2: <laughs> this is uh, mr mr nook said that i could meet him here and he is would- there a mrs nook no what? No, uh it's just tom and his kids yeah okay he's a well,
0: bachelor dad oh yeah
1: hmm. dream I daddy material. i don't know what the Dude,
0: uh tom nook can
1: be on the next dream daddy
2: he could he could indeed Somebody
1: message them. Let them know. Creepy. Okay, we have a few more extra numbers. So, hardware sales are up 63% for March 2019 and have reached 461 million. Nintendo Switch sales have more than doubled, and PlayStation 4 and Xbox One both saw more than a 25% rise. Q1 2020 hardware spending is up 2% from Q1 2019 and is at 773 million. As for March as a whole, spending across video game hardware, software, accessories and game cards totaled 1.6 billion, which is 35, which is a 35% increase over March 2019. The 1.6 billion milestone is the highest earned in a March month since March 2008's 1.8 billion. However, year-to-date sales total 3 billion, which is 4% de-
2: decline compared to last year. 2008 yeah, I was like a year out of college. I was a baby. I think I was
1: 20. That's just insane.
0: This is crazy. Oh, it must be nice to remember how young we are.
1: Uh, girl, you're only 27. You're fine. Stop it. Listen, yeah. I'm not
0: 22. I want to be 22 oh. again. Actually, okay. I do no, no, not no, 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 no. No. I do Everybody's not wish to go these backwards. photos of yeah. themselves when they're 20. And I know that, Simer, you posted one from your from IGN. And Brittany, you posted one holding your PS2? PS3. Your PS... Oh, God, dear God, your PS3. Um, and I, I pulled a bunch of photos. I was like, oh, this will be fun. And then I looked at all my photos from when I was 20. It was like, <laughs> none of these are postable. Like, oh, no. Literally none of them. <laughs> I have, like, one that's maybe postable if I do some heavy editing. And it's not because I i like look bad or weird is because of what i'm doing in
2: all the photos oh, oh naughty naughty yeah no, know that Basically, means- Yeah.
0: 'Cause yeah because digital photography didn't exist and so if you were taking pictures you were taking them with like a digital a camera a kodak camera that you were like winding oh. up remember those oh little oh yeah flash oh yeah
1: Can you children back in the day you see you would take <laughs> photos and then you would have to wait a week or not to see if they actually turned
2: out yes yeah, it's true yeah.
0: oh a week. those
2: were the days
0: and that's optimistic sometimes I would hold on to rolls of film for a long time because I wouldn't finish them or I didn't have the money to get them developed
1: oh yeah and then you would just take a whole bunch of random photos just to like clear through the roll just so you could take it in to get
2: developed I did that I've definitely done that where I was like oh I think that one was good and then you just take a bunch of shit photos just because you want to go get the roll developed (laughs)
0: And then somebody has to look at all of your photos when they develop them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I
2: used to develop my own photos.
0: Oh, look
2: at you, fancy pants. Mm-hmm. I miss the dark room, actually. It was really fun. Huh. Maybe that activities be... you don't do anymore. Dark rooms. <laughs> dark true. rooms.
0: You know, I could probably turn one of the bathrooms in this house into a dark room.
2: You could. <laughs> we would need to go get some film. Let's go. Let's go. Why not?
0: That would
1: be Why interesting. Not? What else are we going to do during all this? But anyway, video games are doing good, ladies and gentlemen. I remember this time last year. We were... I know, right? We were wondering... Was it this time last year? It was sometime. We were wondering about the Switch and how it would do in 2020 because it had all this momentum and, you know, how's it going to do this year? Well, I think it's doing just fine, ladies and gentlemen. Gangbusters is what it's It's, doing. It's fucking doing fine. Just Speaking of
0: doing fine...
2: Yeah, yeah, you like that? It would
0: be... Not that it's worth oh. like really exploring. Oh, no. I, she think killed it. I think it's
2: <laughs> well, what did she kill? I was doing a segue and then you <laughs> and then you you cut me off at the pass. Well You can oh, go shit. ahead and say what you want to say. No, nope, it's done now. No,
1: okay, and, now. And We were wondering how the game was how the Switch was going to do with the momentum of this year. And then Steimer says, It's selling gangbusters.
2: And I and said, it, You want to know what else is selling gangbusters? final fantasy 7 remake everybody Take it away. Yeah. all right so if you have push square final fantasy 7 remake moves 3.5 million copies in three days comma is one of ps4's <laughs> fastest selling exclusives i like to read the punctuation sometimes you did really good final fantasy 7 remake is off to a blistering which is a disgusting verb to use here but that's fine start <laughs> in terms of worldwide sales <laughs> Square Enix reports that the game has moved 3.5 million copies in just three days after its launch on the 10th of April. That figure includes physical shipments and digital sales. It's an impressive total, especially when you consider the current state of the world. For reference, Final Fantasy, uh, I'm really bad at Roman numerals, 15, oh, 15 moved around 5 million units in the same amount of time, but it didn't have to deal stock shortages or closed shops, and it wasn't a PlayStation 4 exclusive. Speaking of PlayStation 4 exclusives, God of War moved around 3.1 million copies at launch, while Marvel's Spider-Man, the fast ex- fastest-selling PS4 exclusive ever, managed 3.3 million. However, those figures are based on sold-through numbers, not shipments, so we cannot say for sure whether the remake is actually the PS4's new sales champion.
1: Yeah, so there's some good info in here. One is, I was seeing this the 3.5 million copies in three days being... Push on social media, but, like, this article clearly states that that includes shipped, not necessarily sold. And when you look at God of War and Spider-Man, those numbers, like Cyber just said, are actual units sold. So we haven't gotten that breakdown just yet. And also, folks were talking about Final Fantasy fifteen moving around 5 million units in that same amount of time. But, again, like the article says, you know, that wasn't just an exclusive, and it was in the middle of a pandemic. Right. So- so yeah, because I mean, Final Fantasy 15, I still think is a really it's a great game, but it's obviously not for everyone. A lot of people were kind of put off by it. So I saw some Final Fantasy 15 diehards saying, "See, we knew this game was superior." Blah blah blah. It's like just calm down. Don't like, no, don't. Every, everybody chill. Everybody chill. What's that? Don't count your They're, chickens before they hatch. Well, I mean, I was just going to say one? don't
2: compare apples and oranges, but sure. Oh
1: well, yeah. I mean, that's yeah it's like they're both fruit. yeah they're that's, both fruit but they're both it. very different
0: yes I agree with you that these these aren't you know one-to-one comparisons but that being said what I think is interesting is that Final Fantasy 7 remake is obviously a remake of a game that people have played across multiple platforms since its original release and so it's not like God of War, a game nobody had played, right? Or Marvel's Spider-Man, which is also another game nobody had played before they launched. They were brand new IPs. Um, Well, not brand new IPs, but they're brand we new. We know what like, you mean, yeah. Brand new games, right? It's not like the second or third or whatever. And it's not like a remake or a, re- or, um, a remaster. That being said, like I, I don't think like there's anything... Like I don't want to negatively compare these. I think it's just interesting looking at how much those games did. But Marvel's Spider-Man went on to become the best-selling PlayStation exclusive of all time. So I think trying to compare its launch day sales to Final Fantasy 7s is just not fair. Why can't we just celebrate the fact that Spider-Man did great, God of War did great, and Final Fantasy 7 did great? Because
1: we need shit to talk about, Andrea. Got to sure do. stuff and make stories God. out of nothing. What else, do yeah, what else are we going to do with our time? Yeah, what else we can do? Play video games? Get out of
0: here. What? Why can't we play video games, though? You can. So many people are.
1: Yeah. Either way, it's doing really well, and I'm really excited to see what the um, overall numbers are when we get some more time. It's just so fascinating that people are, like, Andrea's loving this game. She loved it. Jason's playing it. Like, the one dude who I thought would never like this game, he's obsessed with it. 'Cause he doesn't care about story or characters or any of that. He just likes gameplay and so he's like, I'm just gonna play this for that. And he doesn't really know what's happening because he doesn't pay
0: attention. But he's loving it. Like, all right, cool. I mean, we're gonna talk about it in the spoiler cast, but I've already said it, you know, in my comments the last two weeks. Like I was impressed in ways that I never thought possible from a Final Fantasy game. And it's inarguably my game of the year so far. For sure.
1: Look at you playing Animal Crossing in a Final Fantasy game. What is happening to me? I don't even recognize myself anymore. Pandemic Andrea. We're going to get her into anime next.
0: Ooh, shit. Yeah, let's do it. That might be a bridge too far. Uh, uh, You you
1: once said that about Final Fantasy and Animal Crossing as well, and look where you are now.
0: I really did. The one anime thing that I've ever watched is The Last Airbender, and I really did enjoy that. Okay. Start. Anywho, let's continue on. Congrats. We'll have lots more to say about Final Fantasy VII later in the show. Uh, Xbox Series X logo seemingly revealed. So this comes from our friends over at IGN. Microsoft has trademarked what seems to be the logo for Xbox Series X. Filed on April 16th, the treatment follows a similar style to the Xbox One X and Xbox One S logos. The X, in particular, differs from the title treatments we've seen for the upcoming console previously. Um, If you guys haven't seen it yet, so essentially it's the word series vertically with the S at the top and the bottom there. And then the X is a big, bold X, but it has like a gap where the lines cross in the middle, which is... You no know choice. a choice uh, Whether this is Microsoft Getting its legal ducks in a row Or a sign that it's about To reveal more About the console Is unknown What we do know Is that Microsoft Wants to be able To print this logo On a lot of things Maverick, you're distracting me Can you just sit down, please? <laughs> um <laughs> A lot of things. I lost my place in the story. The trademark listing includes not just game consoles, but bags, jewelry, posters, trading cards, and fire extinguishing apparatus?
1: So I looked really? on the trademark page to see where, yeah, and that's one of, trademarks are weird. I'm sure you have to cover everything you possibly can when you're filing one yeah. of these, and I'm looking through one of these, and it's like steel wool, unworked or semi-worked glass, glassware, porcelain, paintbrushes, brushes, combs and sponges, like all this shit's covered
2: in there. But I saw that was kind of silly. But what about like a like a blowtorch or something to cause the fire that then you would need the fire extinguishing apparatus for? Oh, uh, I didn't Is see like that in there like a Tinder box in there?
1: <laughs> I want my Xbox Series X labeled fire extinguisher, please.
2: Yeah. For when it like,
1: catches on fire Here's the exos- thing. It's-
2: if you're looking at this logo, I cannot see this working as jewelry because of the gap. How the fuck are you supposed to? Like, it's what? Oh. Physically, how are you going to make that? It's gonna have to have like a little a support behind it, right? Yeah, it's gonna need yeah. something. It you looks didn't like think um, about that when you were trademarking for jewelry, did you? Xbox. It looks like
1: athletic wear from like an athletic wear logo from the '90s. Is like the vibe I get from it.
2: Yeah, I could see that '90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I wear. could see
1: that on like a pair of sweatpants, right? Like the top corner.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. Oh, remember when tracksuits were like a really big thing? The snap-offs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the velour, the velour sweatsuits too. Oh did yeah, like see? Juicy Couture. Did you, ha- did you ever have a velour sweatsuit? Oh fuck yeah! yeah.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, Juicy <laughs> on the MS. I definitely yeah. had that. I had the Juicy one, and then I had the BB one with all the little like rhinestones on it, and it's like across the butt. It's like BB. Yep.
0: Yeah.
2: Those I didn't have days. BB. I only did Juicy.
0: Well, so I had fancy. a
2: ju- Juicy Juicy butt.
0: Juicy butt. I had neither because I I I bought the like knockoff version from like jc penny or whatever oh hell yeah it said
1: like angel on the butt or like Probably. naughty
0: That's what, that was the shit back then i mean i showed you a pair of pants that i had that was rhinestone on the butt oh yeah those were good pants
2: i feel like i mean granted it's been a long time since i've worn anything like that but like rhinestones on the butt when you sit down they can't be oh. comfortable
0: well it's only uncomfortable if they're on the bottom part of the cheek Because if it's on the top part of your butt, where it's, like, going up to your lower back, you're not actually sitting on that part, right? You're sitting on, like, the other side. Maybe
2: if you're, like, a worm and you're slithering (laughs) around in your chair. I don't know. (laughs) These
0: are the deep conversations that we have (laughs) at the What's Good Games podcast. I can see that. (gasps) 10 out of 10. How do rhinestones affect your butt comfort? (laughs) How do rhinestones, yeah. How do rhinestones affect...
1: We can do an experiment. We can each What's put rhinestones. What's the correlation
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. of comfort and rhinestones on your <sighs> butt? Oh, God. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's one indeed. of those shows
1: today. I'm, I'm really okay. Is. I'm okay with that.
0: All right. On to the next story. Oh, oh yeah. You don't, you don't want
2: to finish it? <laughs> oh, no. oh, you, you didn't uh, read this oh. paragraph. <laughs>
0: Well, the last paragraph essentially says IGN commentary about them saying the trademark Series X by itself rather than the full Xbox Series X leaves the possibility that we'll see multiple versions of Xbox spoilers. There's going to be multiple fucking versions. Duh. Good job. So you did it. Sassy. We
1: should start a website where Andrea just leaves like one or two comment remarks on articles published by other areas. So, like, this would be called IGN's Xbox Series X logo seemingly revealed. And it would be like, of course, there's going to be two fucking consoles, like, duh. And that'll just be the whole story.
2: She should just write in the <laughs> margins on every website. I agree. Just be like, da doi.
0: Da doi. Of course, me be two fucking consoles, IGN. It's apparently oh, okay. codenamed Lockheart. I don't mean to be critical, but like, it's fine. I'm not
1: going mountains I, out of molehills,
0: Andrea. Mountains out of molehills. <laughs> okay, next story. Super Mario Maker Two was receiving its final update on April 22nd. The most notable change is that the World Maker mode, which allows players to craft eight different worlds, now has up to 40 levels. So, world maker that yeah, so, sounds impressive it's
1: pretty cool it's actually really neat I was watching it, uh, the video on it so yeah it's their final update and it allows you to create different worlds with a maximum of forty levels forty yeah forty levels and it's like volcano desert forest all I believe they're all Super Mario world assets but you get to create if you want islands or tunnels or if you want bonus levels it looks really fun. And I was watching that. I was like, oh, I, I've tried getting into the Mario Maker, but it's just, I don't have the patience for it. I love playing levels, but as far as creating something, not for me, but I was thinking it'd be fucking great if we could get, like, a, a Mario Mushroom Kingdom builder sim. You know, where you gotta, like, manage all the, build the terrain and put in all the shops and, like, get the economy going. I just think that'd be really fun.
0: <laughs> a Interesting. Nerd. So, like, a, you, you want, like an rts you want like a sim
1: oh yeah not an rts more like a sim like what are those there's okay. all those games that you can get on well they're on the switch now i'm sure they've been other places before where it's like cruise ship you get to like manage a cruise ship or you get to manage like a medieval town or whatever they are I basically to, like,
0: want sim city but for mushroom
1: King. yes thank you that's it yes that exactly that where you could oh does that sound fun it oh, does actually it does. sound
2: pretty good yeah 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 I, i'd be into that
1: I know. I think there was some similar on Super Mario Run, but obviously it wasn't like what this is, but
2: it would be
0: neat. Neato I'm Frito. I with you. As of now, PAX West is still happening. Penny Arcade and ReadPop put out a statement on Tuesday, 4-21, saying that they're planning on putting together a PAX West this coming Labor Day weekend, September 4th through the 7th. They also said it will continue to monitor the situation and work with health officials at all levels of government and intend to follow all CDC and WHO guidelines as they are released. I am super excited about this announcement. Obviously, we all know that... Every 24 hours, something changes. So, is this possible that it's going to be canceled? Of course. Do I want it to be canceled? No.
2: (laughs) I don't think there's any chance of this going on. I think this was more of an announcement to put out pressure more on the government, the local government, to actually uh, (laughs) extend their mandates. Uh, Because I just, there's, I don't see any large events really happening, honestly, for this year. Like, I just don't. That makes
1: me sad. But, yeah. yeah. And, I am said Governor, Governor Jay Inslee. There we go. He's taking this very seriously as he's gotten a lot of heat from our president about it. But he's basically saying like, fuck you guys. Even our little town, small town of Olympia was making national news a couple days ago because we got a whole bunch of protesters at the state capitol doing stupid, stupid shit. Anyway, yeah, I mean, until I think he deems everything safe and under control, I just I, I hate to say it, but I can't see it happening. I wish it would, but obviously only when it's you know deemed okay when whatever that even means. I don't know. Of like course. Andrea said, I mean, every does, day is that doesn't changing. mean anything,
0: right? Like, yeah, we were at PAX East and it felt like business as usual. Um, it did from our perspective, but obviously we saw sanitization measures increase tenfold. Every time somebody went to a station, there was somebody there specifically sanitizing everything, all the controllers, all the keyboards. And you see some people doing that between stations, but usually people just put a big bottle of sanitizer with at the end of the row of game consoles, and it's up to you if you want to sanitize your hands. But here, they were sanitizing after every single time somebody touched something, and there was a lot more efforts on cleanliness in that regard than I've ever seen at a pack. So I think that they at least have that in mind. But I'm with you guys that, like, We've seen around the world people are closing things all over the place. I just have seen how dramatically things have changed in a day-by-day basis. And I just hope that we look at that and go, maybe there's a glimmer, tiny speck of hope that things may change for the positive over the next six to eight weeks. Because oh, PAX yeah. is still over twelve weeks away, right? It's about at point, four and a half like months 16 away, sixteen weeks away. Yeah. Oh my god! So it's like it's possible that maybe there's a turn, and the CDC and the WHO are like, okay, this is how we onboard society back in, and PAX will be fine. But it's also possible it goes the other way. We don't know is the thing. I so I'm I gonna hope hold on so. to hope and hope that PAX happens. God, god. it's just crazy thinking in four and a half
1: months. This anyway, and then this last little tidbit in here, I. F- Assume well, at least one of you has played Far Cry 3. I haven't. Yeah. Yes. All right, cool. Michael Mando, Mando, I don't know. The actor who played Far Cry 3's villain Voss might be returning to voice the character. So he did a Reddit AMA and he said, Thank you so much. Voss is my spirit animal. Am I saying his name right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Having co-created that character is something that will always be dear to me. I still get recognized as Voss, and I still feel the outpouring of love for that character makes me very happy. Who knows? Maybe I will reprise the role very soon. Thank you for watching, XO. So he now also did,
2: he did the the tongue face. The, the the
1: tongue face. Yeah.
2: Colon and the P.
1: Colon and the P. And then everyone got all excited. I've never played Far Cry Three, but I know it's a fan favorite. So, do you think there's, like, a remaster coming, a prequel?
0: Because I'm pretty sure this dude croaks in the game. Well, if he's going to reprise the role, I would guess it would be a prequel. Yeah. Mm. Or some kind of thing that happens in the middle of the events that happen in Far Cry 3. But I would guess a prequel seems more likely.
1: A prequel would be interesting. Brianna was very excited about it. She was tweeting about it, and I saw it, and I'm like, Oh. I mean, uh, this doesn't do anything for me because I never played Far Cry 3. But he's the guy with the, the mohawk, yes? I feel like everyone yeah. knows his face. Okay.
0: The definition of insanity guy. Yep, cool. Yeah, I think the Far Cry franchise has made a lot of amazing improvements since Far Cry 3. But Far Cry 3 is still a standout for fans of the franchise as one of the best narratives in all of the Far Cry games. I would really love to see them marry narratives that they nailed like midway in the in the franchise with the what I think to be superior gameplay mechanics later because like I really enjoyed you know Far Cry Four and um, the last Far Cry which was oh my gosh the one in America
1: oh um, this is
0: America oh my
1: God Far Cry what number was da- that New Dawn? D- Dawn New Dawn
2: Well New Dawn No that was, was that was the, an expansion, was the expansion. Far, Far
0: Cry Five. Five. Just go Far Cry 5, yeah. Um, Yeah, for some reason, I I kept thinking of Far Cry Primal, and I'm like, no, not the caveman one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, And I think, like, you know, like a lot of Ubisoft franchises, like there's still, there's just a little bit of, like, gameplay fatigue in those those games, right? It's like, it's just a lot of busy work. And they don't, you don't, it feels like sometimes the busy work you have to do doesn't narratively match what's happening in the storyline, and they're, they're getting better and better at it, but it would be really cool if they did, like, a prequel to Far Cry 3 narratively and then kind of took all of the learnings that they've had over the subsequent releases since Far Cry 3 from a gameplay perspective.
1: So do you think a game could follow Voss, and it would be interesting? Well, I mean, the
0: game doesn't really follow Voss, right? Like, what, that's is the, the thing prequel, about all though? All the Far Cry games is that, I mean... You, you're you're putting a really precarious position when you make your protagonist a really devious villain, and all of Far Cry's villains are really devious uh, and they're really like dark in ways that it would be a choice that I would not expect Ubisoft to make, because putting somebody like that as the protagonist, I I, I never want to say props up that behavior, but in a certain sense it does, right? Like when you allow people to make those choices. They're going to make those choices. I always go back to the interview that Todd Howard did about Skyrim, about The Elder Scrolls V and why Bethesda specifically chose not to allow people to kill children in that game. And Todd's response was when you give people the choice to be really evil, they will be really evil in a video game. And Far Cry has some really bad dudes in it. Like really bad um, and it's not just men. Obviously, there's some bad female characters across the Far Cry franchise as well. But, like, the villains are, like... It's gross. There's torture. There's mm. mutilation. There's violence for the sake of violence. And, like, I I would be... Sh- like I said, I would be shocked if they made Voss the playable, like... I see what you're saying. ...protagonist. Yeah. But I think that he could be back as, like, the main villain. Like, we would maybe see his origin story of, like, where he comes from and
2: how he becomes the big bad or whatever. Yeah, I see that that being... The thing versus... Yeah, you were not playing as him. Not playing as him. Cool.
1: That makes
0: sense.
2: I gave a very long answer to that. I apologize. No, that
1: was interesting because everyone loves that dude. And for some reason, when I read this, my mind went straight to a prequel featuring him as a playable character because whenever I think about Far Cry 3, I couldn't tell you anything about the main characters, but I I recognize him, right? So that's why my mind immediately went to, okay, maybe it's a game surrounding him. But it sounds like he was just a very bad dude and that would probably not go over very well terms of the game
0: well Far Cry 5 I think was really the first game that gave you a little bit of autonomy over how you perceived the character and autonomy is not the right word um it it made the character have a little bit more meaning it felt like they built a role for you as a playable character into the story in a more important way than they had previously because it felt like in all of the other Far Cries that I've played you just feel like faceless guy holding a gun shooting stuff collecting stuff and even all the npcs interact with you of like hey guy right <laughs> like and even if you have a name it just didn't feel like you had a personality and you, obviously you never saw your
2: face right so mm. i you think see that- those big burly hands yeah exactly
0: <sighs> okay anyway i'm gonna be done rambling now it was a good answer thanks ladies Ah, you're welcome. And on that note, get ready for more rambling because the Final Fantasy VII spoiler cast is on the way. Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the What's Good Games podcast. And now we are going to begin... The segment that you have been requesting for the past couple of weeks. Normally, this is where we would talk about what we've been playing. But what we've been playing, besides Animal Crossing, which we'll talk about next week, has been Final Fantasy VII Remake. Thank you to Square Enix for providing us copies of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Disclaimer, out of the way. I don't even know where to begin with a spoiler cast for Final Fantasy VII Remake. Maybe with a spoiler warning. Yes. As in like a full like, yo, in case it wasn't clear that this was a spoiler cast and we're going to be spoiling the game, um, it's going to happen. If you have not finished Final Fantasy VII and rolled credits, you may want to press pause on the podcast and come back to this after you have. Or if you're like, you know what? I'm good with it. You just get on this ride with us. But now you have been properly warned. And on that note, Brittany, oh. to you. Oh god. oh, god. Oh, God. Oh god!
1: Okay, so I think the best way to start this off is by dissecting the ending, because I think that will help us have the conversations about things that happened and maybe who some characters were. But first, we need to have a little, a little discussion and come to some um, mutual ground here. So okay. what I... Okay. So... I think it's obviously okay to talk about the events that transpired in the first Final Fantasy game and that that run parallel with this game. However, there are certain relationships, like between Cloud and Sephiroth and Aerith, that I think we shouldn't dive into because I think there's a lot of new people who are just have been introduced to the series. I don't want to spoil those pivotal moments. Now, granted, as we know. Going forward, we don't know what's going to happen in the next installments of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Or when we're getting them. Or when we're getting them. But that said, I think the way things are lined out and the way that the events unfolded in the beginning, actually for the majority of the remake, that leads me to believe that a lot of the canon, who Cloud is, who Sephiroth is, that those things are all the same. And I don't want to spoil that.
2: Okay. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Because I also, yeah. Okay. Uh, One of my major pet peeves, actually, about, like granted this was what 30 30 hours ish but i was actually a little more irritated that they didn't dive a teeny tiny bit more into who sephiroth is like i don't need i didn't need them to do a lot with him mm-hmm. but i wanted them to do more than just be like oh he's bad <laughs> like he's he's he big evil man big sword thank and you that, yeah I that i was you. Like, i'm like but but why? Like, give me any sort of shred of information, because clearly, Cloud, you know him. You're having weird flashbacks. You, you're clearly not okay, which is a whole separate issue. You keep saying you are. You're not. Um, I don't. Which maybe is a metaphor for all of us. Who knows?
1: <laughs> I maybe mean, we all have whispers surrounding us. Okay, so right. So let's kind of like talk about the first thing that I think is important before we dive into the ending. And that is the Whispers, the Arbiters of Fate, the Protectors of Destiny. Now these dudes, or girls, or whatever, these robes. They're these basically
0: floating... Dementors. There we go. They but... do look like Dementors, for sure.
2: They are. I don't not... remember. Were they? Those were in the first game? I don't no. remember them at all. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, so these are
1: not in the original game. And you can kind of think of these these figures as rabid Final Fantasy VII fans who don't want any changes to happen to the story as it was in back ni- in 1997. And what I mean by that is they, their, exam- their purpose is to keep destiny and fate on track. An example of this is toward the end where Barrett gets stabbed with Sephiroth's um, Matsumune or one of the, his big spear.
0: Right, It's big old sword. Big old oh, sword. Oh, the big sword that he constantly shows off and is like, look at my long sword. Is, I'm going to point it at the camera. It's long. Yeah, Do it you is. see how big
1: this is? It's taller my, than me. My sword is. Anyway, yeah. So in the original game, Barrett does not die there. Or maybe he doesn't die at all. Who could say? But that's like not his time to die, which is even though you see him get stabbed.
2: Wait, but Barrett didn't die. He didn't yeah, die. Because of what Bernie's getting to.
1: Oh, okay. Sorry. Right. So think of the whispers are trying to hold up the main events of the original Final Fantasy 7. Might get a little meta here, but stick with me. Let me know if you have any questions. Okay. So, yes, okay. when Barrett gets stabbed, he should have died from that, right? But the fact that he didn't is because the whispers interfered. We're like, no, nah, dog, this isn't how it goes down. We're going to make sure you're still alive. Think about in the church with Aerith and Cloud. In the original game, Aerith and Cloud flee the church. And in this game, you see the Whispers literally pick them up and shove them through the door to get them out, and then they escape. They like literally had like force them to fucking move. And another example is Wedge. When you guys are in Sector 7, Wedge originally dies there, as does Biggs and as does Jesse. But in this game, Wedge survives that whole scenario and then toward the end, though, we hear him... We see him getting shoved out of the Shinra building, and all you hear is the glass shatter, and then you're left to assume that he did fall to his death, right? Because Wedge was supposed to die. He was not supposed to live. Is this making sense?
0: Yeah. Yes, 100%. Okay, wonderful.
2: Yeah, the whispers, I was like, okay. Okay. Once once they finally explained, like, what they were supposed to be doing... Obviously, up until that point, they don't explain it until you're almost done with the game, but... Uh, yeah, once that explanation came through, I was like, well, all right. Sure. Yeah. But I didn't I, – I, I'm glad you did the comparison with the original because I didn't know – like, I couldn't remember all of the details of what had been happening.
0: Yeah. And I, I, have, quest- I have questions about that, but I'm going to hold them until you're done with your explanation. Okay,
1: cool. Because, yeah, if you had never played the original Final Fantasy VII, you wouldn't know how the events specifically are to unfold, right? For me, I had a feeling – I knew what the Whispers were when they were surrounding Jesse – in sect- when she's in Sector 7 and she has the grenade in her hand, right? And she's like, I never miss! And she went to throw it, but the thing, like, detonated a little early, and that's where she died. Because as she was getting to throw it, the whispers interfered because they are like, no, nah, dog, you have to die up here. And same with Biggs. When you see him kind of slouched against whatever metal he was slouched against, you see the whispers circling him, like, okay, we've done the thing. Like, this is what's supposed to happen to you, and this is why we're here. And at that point, I'm like, oh... So it was kind of cool watching the rest of it. Except he's in, like, a hospital bed at the end. Yeah, and that's a whole other thing. Okay. Which is super
2: weird because I was like, the thing collapsed on you, right? Like, all of it The whole pillar was
0: encased in explosive flame. Like, there's no way that Biggs would have survived. There's no way, really, that Wedge would have survived. I mean, I guess, like, there's a... He's at least a little bit more of a plausibility because he was on the ground and it's possible that
2: he fell in a hole, which is what they think they are alluding to. He tripped and fell into this hole. That's a Shinra underground facility. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And he did survive that encounter. But then when he's in Shinra, remember, he kind of gets forced out the window, right? by the whispers at the very end. And I think you said, like, I just wanted to make a difference and you hear the Yeah, yeah, chatter. yeah. And you're yeah. like, poor baby squirrel. And we don't know about him. So I agree with you with that whole Biggs theory. So, like, let's hold on to that for a second. So I have this recap of the ending from Vice.com just because I think it could be a good refresher. So sure. the game concludes with a battle against Sephiroth, but to challenge him, the characters have to first defeat the Whispers of fates. And the moments leading up to this, the characters witness flashes of the original game's storyline, Cloud sees Aerith die. The entire group watches Red Thirteen and his children running through the ruins of the old world. They make the conscious decision to fight fate, to banish the whispers, and to chart their own course. And with the whispers defeated, they are able to do so. The characters are outside of Midgar in a vast and open world, uncertain of what the future holds. The unknown journey will continue. The screen reads as the camera pans up into the clouds, implying that the future is open to change. That continue continuity isn't as important as telling a good story. Now, the tools to create to have at their disposal. Okay. So, that moment for me was pretty fucking crazy because when they were fighting the Oh, what's the word? Accrucian? The Whispers. All of the 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 big boys.
2: Harbinger or
1: Harbinger. The Harbinger, yeah. Yeah, whatever the fuck they were. You got the three little boys and you got the very, very big boy. Yeah. And you're seeing the flash of Red thirteen running up that mountainside, which is kind of like an iconic scene from the end of the original Final Fantasy VII. You see Aerith, her death scene as she's trying to summon Holy, you know, which is... I can't go into that. Uh, you see these
0: things happen, and then when... Wait, wait, when, I don't mean to yeah. interrupt you, but are you telling me that the final boss fight we got at the end of Final Fantasy VII is actually the final fight of the whole game of the
2: original? No. No, she's saying that the, when, the, when you had those flashes when you were fighting him, those were some of the ending parts of the original game. Like, those were some of the ending scenes so I'm, of
0: that part of the game but not of the whole game right so okay i'll try to explain this again in a okay. better way okay so, I, I mean like it's it's admittedly very confusing oh
1: girl no it's fucking confusing as hell <laughs> okay so you have all of the characters and they're on, i think this is before they're getting ready to fight all of the um the big whisper bosses they're seeing flashbacks so you see the flashback of red running you see the flashback of aerith dying or of her praying you see other little flashbacks, and this is the quote. Maybe this will help you remem- remember. Uh, someone asks, "What the hell are we seeing?" Probably Barrett and Red says, "This is what happens if we fail today." Yes, and that was before all the final bosses. But what that? Because I've played Final Fantasy VII, and I've seen that ending. When he said, "When we're seeing all of those scenes that I know are the ending of Final Fantasy VII," and he says, "This is what happens if we fail today." Immediately, I'm like, this is an alternate timeline. Yeah. And that's when my mind just fucking... Mm. I had... oh. Anyway, Andrea, are you following or is it still confusing?
0: I'm, I mean, admittedly going to be confused. That's okay. But I think, like, there's, there's more questions I have than just that. No, that's so fair. Con- that's fair. Continue, continue on.
1: Okay. So we'll kind of, like, cover some more of the ground here. So you have the, the whispers, the big boy... And if you use your assess material on the big boy, it says this guy appears when someone tries to alter Destiny's course. And then if you use the assess material on the small guys, it says they are an entity from a future timeline that has manifested in the present day. They protect the future that gave shape to it. So like right there shows that you are fighting essentially against these things that are trying to prevent alternate timelines or prevent fate from being changed.
2: So All this looks- is making me do is it makes me want to go and watch original Final Fantasy, like, information because I don't remember. I th- I played... Definitely, I had Red Thirteen when I was playing um, Final Fantasy Seven whenever I did, like, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But that's as far as I got, as I had him for a little while, and then I didn't play it again. So, like, I never made it to the ending. I never made it through a lot of t- these pivotal moments. And so to know that now... Theoretically, they're trying to alternate timeline it. And I want to kind of compare, like, okay, well, what was the beginning of that game like again? Because, again, it's been a really long time. To the beginning of this. And what would they be fighting against? And what are they fighting for? And, like, trying to map these things out, I think, is interesting.
1: Yeah. So the TLDR, Andrea, in simple terms, is that you have the original Final Fantasy VII from 1997, right? And that game, as people know it, is you have Cloud and Tifa and back then, Ares, and Sephiroth, the big bad guy, and everyone knows that Ares in that game dies. It's Aerith. It was a translation error. Um, oh, and then yeah. the game that like, goes from like, start to finish cool, that's the 1997 game. This game starts off making you think it's just more or less of a like a remaster, right, a complete remake of this game. There are a few things that are a little different, but if you don't know any better, you can kind of write it off to just being some extra padding and fluff, which some of it is. But the idea by the end of the game is you learn that the Whispers are essentially there controlling fate. And they are there to make sure the events that unfold in the remake unfold as they do in the 1997 game. However, at the end of the the remake, they essentially say, fuck fate. We're going to destroy all of these Arbiters of Fate and Protectors of Destiny. And we are going to make our own path going forward. Yeah, that's super cool. And so is maybe Aerith will stay alive. Maybe, you know, that's why we see Biggs alive, is something has been, fate has been changed. That said, okay, sorry, I'm I'm nerding now, so let me know if I'm getting too far ahead of you here. Stimer it's and Andrea. okay. We'll,
0: we'll We'll bring it back after you're done, because you're on a roll, so just okay. keep going. <laughs> I'm so excited to be talking about then this. Then we'll roll it back okay, okay. earlier in the game. Okay. So, actually, you know what? No, I'm not going to
1: go there yet, because that is too far ahead. I'm going to pull okay. myself in. Okay. Okay. okay okay so that's where we're at
2: okay sounds good that makes more sense i'm glad that you explained it um but i mean that wasn't us i didn't get that they were uh, the whole nuance of it i kind of generally understood what was happening but that was about it i was like okay yeah sure we're fighting fate did we fight fate before i don't remember fighting fate before i like these were the conversations that i had with myself yeah (laughs) as i was playing i was like i don't think i remember this but it's possible i just forgot because i forget everything so i don't know maybe this is how it goes um so that is very helpful, thank you.
1: <laughs> I got you. And if you go back and you look at some of the dialogue that Aerith Sephiroth say during the game, some of it kind of sticks out, and you're thinking like, oh, okay. Because the the thought is, and this is a real deep cut theory, is that this Sephiroth is the same Sephiroth from the 1997 game, but he has somehow been able to transfer his consciousness into this game, and he knows that shit's about to hit the fan, and he knows he fails in the 1997
0: game. I'm calling bullshit on this fucking theory. Well, here's oh the, here's the dialogue. God.
1: So there's there's God. the there's the fight with him and Cloud, right? And after you defeat yes. him, Sephiroth says, oh, "And you're on the edge oh of creation." Mm-hmm. You're on the edge of creation. Sephiroth says, "Careful now, that which lies ahead does not yet exist." Basically saying this pre-written destiny that you are subjected to in the 1997 timeline no longer exists because you basically said, fuck destiny and you're going on with your bad self. He continues to say our world, our world will become a part of it one day, but I will not end, nor will I have you end because Sephiroth obviously (laughs) croaks very badly. And then he says, this is the edge of creation cloud. Lend me your strength. Let's let us defy destiny. And so if you look into that and some of the other things, that he does say, because he does, at one point, when he first meets, when you first see Aerith for the first time, he says, you can't save anyone, not even yourself. Because in the original game, Cloud is too late to save Ares, Aerith before she dies by Sephiroth's hand.
0: So Sephiroth, but why does Sephiroth want to kill kill her anyway? I assume that is a spoiler
2: for yeah, the future.
1: That, yeah, that's a pretty big story story thing
0: right oh so okay let's talk about let's talk about Aerith since we're we're bringing her up Um,
2: there's one more
1: second sorry one more point I want to say to that and then during that edge of creation conversation Sephiroth says seven seconds till the end is that he says seven seconds till the end time enough for you perhaps but what will you do with it let's see so if you go back to the 1997 game it's exactly seven seconds for the time Sephiroth appears to where he kills Aerith if you watch that cutscene, oh shit yeah so That's there's little there's little hints in there, and even Aerith. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like,
2: seven seconds. What the fuck are you talking about?
1: Like, yeah, was, <laughs> like, yeah. And then kind of going back to this, somehow the t- their minds have come, like, traveled across different timelines. Go to some of the dialogue from Aerith when she first meets Cloud. She says these flat When she hands him a flower, she says, "Lovers used to give these things when they were reunited." Which you can mm-hmm. look into that as deep as you want, but there's multiple reasons why she's familiar with cloud. We'll just kind of leave it at that. Um, when she's getting ready to go through the I portal, mean, it's of pretty fate. obvious
0: if you'd say that, that they hook up at some point
1: <laughs> when you are getting ready to go through. I love th- you, Brittany. <laughs> You're totally wrong. When you go through the portal of fate, um, she says boundless, terrifying freedom. We won't be the same. basically they're defying fate. And she knows that, um, and when she has a conversation with Cloud, she says in Chapter 14, if you picked her for your conversation, she says, but whatever happens, you can't fall in love with me. It's not real. And there's some other things in there that if you've played the original one, those are things that line up with her knowing those events that took place. So the time the time travel thing or the the consciousness – it sounds really fucking weird, and it is really fucking
0: weird. It's Nomura. But it's it's but Nomura-san. Nomura. Yes, it's and Nomura-san stamping his weird ass yes. shit on on this game, and it's probably
2: going to be what makes
0: me not like the
2: second game. Here's the thing. That I will give them the pass for. If it's Aerith and Sephiroth, aren't they the two, like, remaining... Oh, my God, I'm blanking on the name. Ancients. Ancients, The ancients Ancients. remaining. And wouldn't it somehow make sense that if you're that in tune with the planet, you may understand timelines that may or may not exist? Exactly. Yeah. So that's interesting. If it was everybody, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. And
1: that's the interesting thing, too, Andrea, is I'm wondering, because... Are they gonna the, the the next game, right? Are they gonna make it so fucking weird, or are they gonna make it so you wouldn't know any different since you hadn't, you know, you would you would just think this is like the new canon version of Final Fantasy VII. That's gonna be interesting. Like how weird. Yeah, is I don't think you would
2: know, Andrea. I don't think you would you would understand. Like I don't think either of us, unless we sit down here with Brittany and like get the rundown of exactly what Final Fantasy VII original was, we would be like. They say some weird shit sometimes. I don't know. Okay, let's go. Like, like, let's smash some shit with the Buster Sword. <laughs> like, that's yeah. That's no. kind of how I felt when I finished this game. I was like, all right. Well, <laughs> yes
0: and no. So here's the thing. Like, before we get into like some of the the plot beats and how we f- thought about them, like overall, and I've I've talked to other people who never played the original and played this game because of its high praise that a lot of people are giving it, including us. And they're like, but why did it, like, jump the shark at the end? Yeah. Um, Why did it, like, go off the rails narratively in the final throws of the game when it it really had what I thought was a solid narrative all the way up until you enter the Shinra building And then it's the longest ending of any game I've literally ever played. And I thought Halo games had the longest (laughs) ever. Turns out it's not. It's not Final Fantasy VII Remake. I was like, this has got to be the last scene. This has got to be the final boss. Wait, there's more? Are you fucking kidding me? How is this game not done yet? That was me during all of the end. Because, like, the game makes a big fucking whoop-dee-doo about you entering the Shinra building, right? They're like, yo finish all your stuff. Once you go in, it's going to be a long time before you leave. Are you ready? Are you sure? Did you do all the side quests? Are you ready to leave? Right. So I appreciate that, which BTW, they didn't do that earlier in the game. Why I failed a couple side quests. So kind of fuck you. But like, that's another conversation (laughs) for another time. Instead, I was like, cool, it's going to be done. And then it wasn't done for several Welcome
1: more hours. Welcome to the world of JRPGs, baby girl.
2: Yeah. Um, I, would th- that I, was, that I knew aside, it was going to be until you fight Sephiroth. So I was just like, all right, I haven't fought him yet. So I guess it's not over.
0: Essentially, we all knew that there was going to be some kind of conf- confrontation with him, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, But what I think was really frustrating is that I thought they did such a great job of building up a narrative between... Cloud joining Avalanche, what Avalanche beef with Shinra was, kind of understanding why Shinra is the big bad and who these individual players are and kind of how it plays into Cloud's backstory, which we don't really know anything about at the beginning of the game, right? And I think it all built really evenly throughout the game to a way that they introduce characters and I was like, oh, this is actually like, I was really impressed. And then at the very end, it just went completely off the fucking rails. It did. And That's I was fair. like, okay, now I know, I know nothing about what's happening. And I suspended my disbelief about The Whispers because I was like, this is clearly going to come back and tie into something. And I think the thing that hit me as somebody who had never played the original and who had stayed away from the Final Fantasy franchise at large was that there's just way too much going on from a fantasy perspective that I can't ground in narrative realism. And it doesn't need to be real, right? Like I love fantasy. I love all kinds of fantasy. I love sci-fi. But like the flow of narrative beats just did not connect in ways that I got really frustrated with. Now, to be clear, I still loved this game. Earlier in the podcast, I said it's still my game of the year so far that holds but like i'm just like but 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 but,
2: what's going on the only part where i felt like i mean as we've already kind of discussed i i was obviously a little jolted at the end but i think it is because i didn't have a lot of the context that Brittany just gave and i was just like wait what Mm -hmm. oh huh like (laughs) okay guys uh sure whatever like who the fuck are these people who the fuck is zach who like (laughs) we'll talk about it in like, a like, second. Like, like those are the, like, those are the things that were running through my yeah. head it's like why it was, like it, who yeah, why are you throwing these people in at the last second
1: it really picked up really fast and yeah i mean obviously you know not knowing what i know it's kind of hard to remove myself from that but i'm imagining even if i was at first like slightly confused about it and so was almost everyone i've talked to that's played this game that's very familiar with final fantasy seven it does take you a while to like understand it but if you don't know any of that context that was probably like one of the most confusing endings probably ever
0: it, it was i think the thing for me that was really poignant after talking to you about it was i think about the fact that they killed jesse and then or was it first they killed biggs then they killed jesse then, then they kill wedge like that's like the whole like at your avalanche crew that you start the game with right They kill all three of them. And I was like, wow, like you expect at least one or two major characters. And I had heard people being like, ooh, does Aerith die or does Aerith live in this one? Because like there was it was impossible to avoid that as a spoiler on the Internet. It just was. Yeah. Um, So it's like, oh, well, I really grown attached to Aerith by the end of the game. And I was like, it feels unfair for her to die. But like I was eager to see like how they were going to let it unfold. But then when you told me that the events in Midgar happened in the first, like, five to seven hours of the original game. I was like, wait, but then... So what happened for the rest of Final Fantasy VII Remake? Like, what else is it? This isn't, like, a complete story. No, apparently a lot more.
1: Yeah, and where the disc... Not disc one, but... Yeah, like, where the game ended um, is, you know, where... Ideally, is where everyone escapes the Shinra building and they stop on that broken street and then they kind of like look out and then it's like okay now you escape midgar but that was kind of where they stopped you know the game here and that's what I was going off of and i got through the whole midgar section and i got to that point by about 5 or so hours when i just played the game maybe it was like last year i replayed it but it's it's crazy this whole thing is just crazy and I per- I really like some of the padding they put in, you know, the side quest with Tifa and the side quest with Aerith, because we never got that kind of interaction with those characters. And before, you know, we get to the end of this game, you just kind of assume that it's going to continue playing out as it is in terms of like, okay, well, all three of the Avalanche crew, they're going to die in the Sector 7 explosion, which is maybe like a few hours in, you know, then that's the end of it. But it's it's interesting that you get to see these characters in new positions and you get to really get to know them on a personal level. And I think they did a really great job. Granted, I think it was just also, like I said, part of padding, but it was still interesting because we didn't get that in the first one.
2: Can we talk about how Biggs is way hotter than Cloud? Uh, uh, yes, we can. Biggs is great. I was like, I would 10 out of 10 take Biggs over Cloud any day. Literally
1: any day. Any day. He's more charming, too. Yeah. He is. He has a good heart and he started a little... Orphanage. He started an
2: orphanage, for crying out loud. See, <laughs> yeah, I don't Aww. actually care about that part, but yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, so long as I guess to keep the kids over there at the orphanage, that's fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, if you guys have any questions about things, let me know. Like, Zach, I know Steinberg was asking about oh, Zach earlier.
0: Oh, oh yeah. But, but before we get to Zach, can we talk about a character that we at least know was part of the party and will be in the next game? Well, at least, like, I just assume. Uh, Red 13?
2: Yeah. He's the so- fucking best. I was so... So Brittany and I talked a little bit about him um, uh, in our own personal texts because I was like, oh my God, I was so excited for Red 13. And I like, he was my favorite. And then she you dropped the bomb on me that he's not like... Playable. He's not playable. <laughs> he's not like the, <laughs> the way that I had him in my party um, when I started playing the game a million years ago. Uh, but I was actually super, super happy with how he folded into the story and how they incorporated him into the game, even though technically he's not always a party member. He's still useful. He's still there. I love his voice acting. Oh, it's um, so good. Yeah. I just think he's great. And I'm, I'm super, super happy with it.
0: Yeah. He's so, a really fascinating character. Um, yeah. So tell me why, because I've talked to several people who have been like red Thirteen's my favorite. So why is he your favorite from the original games? Me? Granted,
2: I didn't play long enough to like really get to know any of the other but ones. But he's a so, red lion, tiger, dog. He's thing. a yeah. He's like a red cat, dog that talks and it has he's cool like peaches, right? But yeah, talks. He's just and like and I liked a lot of the dialogue, and I was like, he's so cool. And I don't know, maybe I have a soft spot for lab animals. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> oh, <it> was, um, <laughs> I just always thought he had like a really cool personality. Like I, but I don't really love a lot of the characters in Final Fantasy 7 yet um and I didn't even back then cause like Cloud's a little stoic for me obviously uh Teep is fine Aerith mm-hmm. can be a bit teehee uh and Barret just yells a lot yeah. which it's more of a volume issue this for is me this my normal talking voice oh I'm Barret Barret has very nice eyes, like oh he really does his beautiful eyes oh my he god he has very nice arms as well but yeah, um no. Yeah, no. It's just more the, the the register of the voice. I don't like it when people yell. I it's like very I uh, like quiet, excitable.
1: Time. <laughs> yeah, and I think Marlene! that's what I'm.
0: Where's Marlene? Marlene.
1: No, just and that's the whole time. Something I'm really excited about the next games is going forward. It really should expand on who these characters are and like what their story is because I think each character has been given um, a very fascinating backstory, including, I mean, obviously Red Thirteen. Like he's not a normal normal character right and but i think his story is really great and um same with barrett he has a very interesting arc and i'm excited to see how square expands upon that knowing that it could be something completely well i guess the origins are probably going to remain all the same right because it wasn't toward the very end where they really fuck shit up but this is where it it starts like melting your mind like that stuff with uh zach toward the end like like what does that mean
2: I don't know, because okay, I, so I can't remember if that... I didn't finish the oh. first game, so I don't even actually know if Zack's a real person in the sense yeah, that so, if he was... Yeah, so let's, <laughs> let's talk
0: about Zach. So I pulled up this Kotaku article that says, let's talk about Final Fantasy VII Remix I would be careful reading ending.
1: that, because that's, that could spoil some very, very interesting cloud arcs.
0: So Sure, I will not read... I'm not going to read the whole article. I just pulled it up to
2: bring up some very specific points. I just points. don't
1: want you to be spoiled, Andrea.
2: Nor do I. <laughs>
0: It's really interesting shit. It'll
2: take six years to get the I full mean, story. But.
0: I think that you don't understand that I've gone down a rabbit hole trying to figure out what the fuck happened at the end of Final Fantasy VII. So I've read a shit ton of articles about it. So, like, oh. also, like, the thing that I wanted to bring up and the reason I mentioned this article was because at the end of it, this is one of Jason Trier's last pieces when he was still at Kotaku. It says, the title of the game suddenly makes sense. There's no part one on the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake because this is the only part that's a remake. From here on out, we're in uncharted territory. And while we'll certainly see the characters and locations of Final Fantasy VII from blank and blank to blank and blank, I'll leave it blank if you don't want to listen or hear them, the events are going to be completely different. As the end Chiron says, the unknown journey will continue. Oh, he's, that's actually he's interesting. Bit, I didn't think about the title. Yeah. Yeah. There. Yeah. So people are. There's a lot of obviously there's a ton of fucking speculation <laughs> after the end of this game about like what's going to happen. When's the next installment coming? What's it going to cover? How many episodes are there going to be, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I do think it's because of what they've done with fate and the whispers and changing fate and. Playing with the narrative of the first game and weaving it into something that clearly they wanted to do differently this time around. And maybe it's people who were worked on the team originally and were like, yo, this is like in hindsight what I wish I would have done. And maybe now I'm getting my chance to like rewrite history quite literally. And obviously Nomura-san's stamp on this is very obvious like throughout the throughout the game at least in my mind like I didn't play the original but I see like the flashes of what Nomura-san has contributed and I just hope that they can continue to maintain balance because I thought this game narratively had great pacing, had great backstory and great moments for you to really identify with these characters and then it just like went so far off the rails at the end that it makes me nervous in some ways for what's coming down the pipeline.
2: Yeah, I don't feel saying, like it went Oh, go ahead. I uh,
1: say it's going to be interesting to see if they kind of keep it on course. Is it is, is this going to be a playable game on its own? You know, did you or do you need to know that this could be this is an alternate timeline of sorts. See what they um what they go with. And going back to what you were saying about you know, maybe some writers from the OG game saying like, "Well, maybe this is what I would have done differently." There's been a long-standing rumor that Aerith perhaps was never supposed to die. Now, whether you want to think about that from a narrative standpoint or if you want to look at a few things, there's a point – there's some cover art – or maybe it's just art that was in the original manual. And she's looking at a big airship. And this airship isn't accessed until much, much later in the game, like very post-Aerith death scene. So it's like, so why was this key art included in this manual if she was going to be dead by then? There's also a scene where it looks like there's a spot where a character should be standing. Everyone else is, like, lined up, and she's not there. So, like, obviously this could just be 23 years of fan rumors going around, but it's been thought that maybe she was cut due to time constraints or budget or who knows. They were just like,
2: eh, sorter.
1: just stab her we'll see what, yeah we'll just move on without her so it'll be she interesting be a martyr. to see what they it's do fine. with her and it'll be interesting to see if there's the possibility of them making this like a i mean this is a very very like outstretched thought so bear with me but like kind of like a bioware game in terms of choice and consequence you know now that Aerith might not be the one who dies like who could it be could that depend on some of the choices you make we did see some choices have like a very like you know cosmetic purpose in this game like in chapter um, was it nine the don corneo mission where you got to choose like the the dress based off of the decisions you made or the side quests you had done oh no,
0: no no you didn't get to choose the dress the dress was chosen for you based off how you interacted in specific that's what i meant you got yeah right? you got,
1: yeah exactly so choice and consequence who knows but it it's uh, kind of
0: fun to think about
1: but like Sam keeps saying when the fuck are we getting it
0: (laughs) Um, yeah yeah so I definitely have a lot more questions that I'll just ask you offline since you've been very clear that you don't want to talk about them on the show because you don't want to spoil people like me that haven't played but I'm very much like I don't care let's talk about it so we'll talk about it later if you want to
1: have like and I don't care we can talk about it we can put a little disclaimer up if we want to go into that territory but
0: well I think that there's a couple of more conversations we could have before we before we get there like when we first talked about it with you last week there was a couple of plot points that differed from the original that you're like let's wait and talk about it in the spoiler cast. What were some of the moments for you playing through Final Fantasy 7 Remake that you really liked that they did differently or that they expanded upon? Whether it was stuff with Tifa's storyline or Aerith's storyline that you were like I think that this was a good move for them to do.
1: I think well, for one, I think the whole honeybee scenario was obviously so much more well done. In 1997, there were some uh, questionable themes with Cloud getting bum rushed by about eight dudes in a hot tub or like a bathtub, and there were some like weird noises that were being made. So, obviously, I think like that was much that was very tastefully done. I thought just the the stuff with Cloud getting you know an apartment in the sl- in sector 7 slums i thought that was a fun little touch cuz that never happened in the original and then obviously like the big stuff was the stuff at the end where you see that Biggs has survived you see and next to Biggs on that desk there you see Jessie's bandana and her wrist guard so it was that just like pulled off of her corpse or is she somehow alive too like it's just the speculation of What's going on? What happened? And the stuff with Zach, which I think you know, we should probably not talk about right now too.
2: Um well, yeah. we're gonna talk Zach's inf in the original? Because I don't I just don't know if these characters are new characters or not new characters.
1: Zach is is he plays a a big part in the original, but he's not actually like a playable character.
2: Yeah, really. I didn't I didn't mean he was yeah. playable. I just meant like does he exist in the oh, universe or not?
1: Uh yeah, he, he well he's he's a part of the game. Okay, cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because okay. I was like, because so, as soon as he, can I tell you what my thought was when he when he first showed up? I was like, yes. oh my god, Cloud just stole this guy's identity. <laughs> Like, I'm just like, like, that's what I thought. Because when you first see him in that cutscene, like, you think it's Cloud with like dark hair for some reason. You're just like, oh, weird. He had a bad dye job. And then. Yeah, like, why does he have the Buster sword? What's going on Yeah. Here? And then you're like, wait, why does he have the Buster And I was like, oh, and he's got. I didn't realize that Cloud was still wearing this soldier uniform, but just like minus a a Uh-oh. pauldron. And so. He, and that's so he's all like, like, screwed up. Like, he has himself. Cloud's outfit. He's Cloud's sword. Cloud just fucking. Like, once it was real it was not actually cloud just a very surprising look-alike yeah i was like i was like cloud cloud fucking did this guy dirty he probably shanked him and then took his sword and <laughs> like, and then uh you know stole his uh. s- his turtleneck <laughs> onesie and made off like a bandit. Like, that's oh what God. I thought was happening. Uh, and then obviously, you see at the end, he's carrying Cloud. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe Oh, not.
1: no. Zach and Never Cloud mind. have a very, uh, fa- I'm just remaining quiet, but I'm laughing because they have a very, very uh, fascinating. um
2: I'm princess. sure. I just. I thought you would enjoy my my. Dumb I do. I do beginning. appreciate that. Like he probably shanked him. With <laughs> I was just. I, might, I was like, "There's no way that these two people can exist in the same universe. One of them must have killed the other and absorbed their soul." <laughs> so I good. mean, it's Final Fantasy. I feel like that. It, would is, be some it shit could that happen, happen right? It could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Can I? I want to ask one thing also. Yeah. That. I'm not sure of whatever you can answer vaguely. Okay. Is there a reason for Sephiroth, Sephiroth's eyes being the way that they are? They're like yes. weird cat or there is a reason.
0: Yes. Okay. okay so we'll cool. ask all these questions in just a few seconds because I have a lot of questions that I want to ask that I want you to answer. <laughs> okay. But I get that you want to leave another disclaimer of being like, okay, so we've had our spoiler cast on the f- remake. If you want to opt out now, you can. But before we do that, is there anything else about the remake that you want to discuss that you think is fair for discussion?
1: Um, well, I guess we can talk about Roche. He was kind of an interesting character. I think we talked about him a little bit on the um, last week's show. He's the yeah. soldier third class. He plays an interesting part where the he shows up. The
0: motorcycle guy. A-
2: yeah! uh, Wait, but shows- he was not wearing the turtleneck. No, he wasn't. And he was like, I'm a sol-. this is why, again, this is why I thought he stole his fucking life, is because uh, I you could, see other soldiers and they do not wear that uniform.
1: It could be because he's third soldier third class and Cloud is soldier first class, so they might have different uniforms. I
2: don't That's know. Probably
1: do. They probably do. They probably do. Let me look do. up
2: what he was even wearing because I don't remember. <laughs> his final
1: yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um Let's see. I'll just keep
2: going. Why don't all you have them. a picture, you dumb fan site?
1: And then stuff I think we talked about, or maybe we talked about this off air last week, how you could get the chapter fourteen conversation with Tifa or Aerith or Barrett, depending on the choices that you made, you know, whether or not you favor Tifa or Aerith. You know, in chapter ten, if you went to Tifa first, that could impact the scene where you get Tifa. If you were just an <laughs> asshole to everyone, you get Barrett.
2: I'm sorry. I was googling Roche to see what his outfit was, uh-huh. and it says people also ask. The first one's normal. Who is Roche? Final Fantasy Seven. The second one is: Is Jesse from Final Fantasy Seven a girl? What? 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 <laughs> I don't know why that. That's why I laughed because I was like, "Why, why is, is that, that even, even a question a, that people are asking?" I don't, I don't know. Cares? I'm huh. so
0: confused. That's weird.
2: I don't know. It's a strange. It's a
0: it doesn't thing. even matter if she's a girl or not. I know, but it was. Just, I was just that question made me laugh because I was like, "All why that is... matters is that we're gonna forever make fun of her for how thirsty she is." It's true. Oh, but, uh, there's another question
2: under there. Is did Jesse like Cloud?
0: Oh, what the fuck do you? Well, baby, never. Bit no, wedged. but that's what we hypothesized, Steimer, When you and I were doing the show together, I was like, yeah. "What if we find out that Jesse has just been playing Cloud this whole time? She's that's... been a Shinra double
2: agent from the beginning." Well, not the Shinra thing, but I, I Wedge does basically say, like, don't fall for it.
1: It's all, like, a game to her, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I, mean, I know. She's an actor, so. I really like that. Oh, and that was the other thing, too, is before I knew, like, these characters were probably going to survive, or at least some of them were. It was so depressing after you come back from, oh, what mission is it? I think it's the one where you get Jessie's, her father's ID card, and you parachute down, and then you run through. And Wedge shows you where Biggs lives, where Jesse lives, where he lives. And you see Biggs out like sweeping the ground, and you see Wedge out with all of his cats. Like at that point, you know, I just assumed that they all were going to die. And the music and the tone was so perfectly nailed; it was such a somber experience. Because I think they did a good job with these characters and made them much more personable and likable. And yeah, uh, yeah I was cool.
0: yeah, I was legit. I was legit bummed that they all died. Like I was like. I was kind of hoping that they would leave the door open for it to seem like they lived. But, like, they didn't. And then when they brought them back, I was angry. I was like, yo, I am not above you leaving an ambiguous end to somebody and being like, could they survive? But don't do this definitive goodbye scene where they're, like, taking their last breath in front of somebody and be like, oh, well, they just were unconscious instead. It's like, no, fuck you. Cloud wouldn't have left them there if they were still alive. He would have, like, figured out a way to get them down and, like, focused on saving their life. I think he because said... he's the secret hero that we know he's going to become that he's just struggling against right now. Yeah, so
1: the here's... Okay, when it comes to Wedge, I understand how he's alive because he had the grappling hook, right? And it didn't break his fall essentially. Like he was, oh, he fell off." And then he comes back. Yeah, but
2: then they show him like they show a giant piece of debris falling on him.
1: Oh, right. And then but he's like And I was I like, "You're, you're
2: like, yeah, he fell and that was fine, whatever." And then he was still alive. But then like, right, created sure. a hole. But then yeah, but then he he clearly is being going to be pinned under like a ton of concrete and is somehow fine. Cause somehow managed to again, fall into the one hole that exists. That's a shit yeah. lab. Uh, so that was a part where I was like, eh. no,
1: that, that'd be kind of, that's kind of stretching it as far as, yeah. So this is kind of the part where it kind of ties into that ending scene where they destroy fate. And like, I call it destiny dust where all the sparkles fall down. It's like, Oh my God. Because as you see that scene with Zach and cloud, you know, they're looking over yonder And he looks at everything kind of falling down. And then immediately from watching Zack and Cloud, you know, hobbling away or whatnot, it pans to Midgar where you see Biggs in bed, like recovered. So I'm wondering if that itself is an alternate timeline. Or is it possible that the actions that Cloud and company did affects like the past and present or just the future? Like we don't know. And this is why it's like, how are you going to tie this up? Yeah. Or are you gonna completely Kingdom Hearts this shit? It's, oh no. <laughs> what happens?
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know about any of that. I do kind of wish they just left left Big's ex all dead because Um Yeah, I think it opens up too much in terms of weird possibilities if it can go back in time and somehow fix it? Or are they saying that they've been unconscious this whole time and now the fairy dust has settled recovered them like they're like now they've gone from coma to like okay maybe they'll get out of it but again you are usually not in a coma when you pass out from lack of blood loss and then a pillar falls on you true usually yeah usually you're not. just dead
1: and so part so- of me wonders if that was mostly just for the dramatic effect of Well, I mean, it should be explained narratively, but like, you know, of like when they were panning and showing that shot and I saw Jesse's bandana and her glove, I said, "Okay, if this next shot shows Biggs or Jesse in bed alive, then at that point I was I was conjuring up my theory that this is an alternate timeline. I said, if that if that's going to be it, that's like the nail in the coffin. Then I know for sure this is what they're doing. And then as soon as they showed it, I was like, oh, my God. So that was kind of an indicator to me. But again, like if you don't know that it probably does come across as a cheap little like hey
2: hey we the kept the hot, hot guy alive
1: yeah so because yeah someone must have found him and carried him up to bed but like how did that happen i don't know
2: i don't know <laughs> oh, either God. magic someone's got some magic hands up in there oh
1: man i just want that sequel now i just want it now i'm, I mean, I'm so I curious
2: but i want them to i mean i hope they do a better job answering a lot of the questions they kind of brought up and then just never addressed again. Granted, again, this is only the first portion of this game. Um, but uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of this, any, literally anything about Sephiroth, I'll take. Please tell me what the fuck is going on. Uh, and then, uh, well, Zach came at the very end, but I was a bit of like, okay. Um, okay, so I think now
0: then, is the perfect time to say, should we, should we like, give another deeper level spoiler warning and then actually talk about this? Cool. Yeah. Unless you don't want to, Steimer, because I have questions that I would like answered.
2: I mean, but I, I struggle can do this with, with it Brittany aside. If you're like,
0: I would rather not
2: know. Part of me doesn't want to know, and part of me also realizes it's probably going to be five to six years before we. <laughs> and get it could any be very different. Yeah. So, so, I guess sad. I'm fine with it because I'm probably, well, you guys know me. My memory You'll forget is anyway. crap garbage. I'm going <laughs> to forget. forget by next time. So,
1: okay, I so think we're fine. <laughs> here is a very deep level disclaimer. If you don't want to know what the like relationship is between Cloud and Zach, or what Cloud's backstory is, or what Sephiroth is, then now is the time to say goodbye.
0: If you want to preserve the narrative experience you've had, not playing the original game, only playing the remake then thank you so much for hanging out and listening to the show. We hope you've enjoyed the spoiler cast so far. And if you were like me and you just must know, then please stay with us. Okay. Are they gone? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Everybody look around. My cat's just wandering around the studio. What are you doing over there?
2: This is being handsome. Are you killing spiders? There's so many spiders. baby Sephiroth. Would you say he has cat eyes or like lizard eyes? (laughs) The, I, couldn't, I couldn't decide if they were reptilian or cat-like.
1: They're alien eyes, Steimer.
2: Mm. because
1: Sephiroth is half human, half alien. Oh, yeah. Okay, but like, okay.
2: Do you Wait, classify Do you for classify real. the ancients as aliens or as humans? He's
1: not, but he's not an ancient. Oh, okay. There. We go. Yeah. The he thinks he wondering. is. Okay. So I'm gonna try my best to explain this lore because it's kind of crazy. Okay. So you have the Ancients, also known as the Cetra race, I believe. Cetra, Cetra, C E T R A. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Um,
1: they were like these like awesome creature humans. They were the hippies. Humans. Yeah, they were the hippies. They like lived in like love like lavish forests, the waterfalls, and blah blah blah. And then one day, this alien named Genova came and kind of like I believe fucked everything up. And was somehow- Genova the asteroid? <laughs> Jenova is that she's you
2: know what Jenova is no, no, no I know but I'm at like oh. in the in the Shinra hoopla they like they're like a, yeah, there's the asteroid that. and I'm like is that the asteroid is really I don't, Genova came and I'm like all out? I'm not
1: entirely sure on that I just kind of have like the base like the the bullet points down in my head so got it all I know is somehow Shinra gets Genova, and then they think Shinra they think Jenova is part of the ancients they think they thought that you know genova was one of the ancient races the of what aerith is obviously like what they didn't know is genova is not but they mistakenly think genova is so what they do is they take human like babies or maybe even fetuses at that point and they take genova cells and inject them into the babies in order to create what they were hoping to recreate the
2: ancients the ancients yeah okay
1: right cuz they want
2: the promised land where all the mako is
1: Right. But what they found is that, yo, this doesn't create the ancients, but what it does create are these super strong humans, hybrids, which is what soldier is. So soldier.
0: So Sephiroth
1: is a soldier, was a soldier. Z- and then where it gets is interesting-
0: he an ex-soldier?
1: <laughs> no,
0: he's and this- the Papa ex-soldier.
1: And this mm. is where it gets Cloud. really interesting, where the plot point can get kind of spoilery if people aren't careful. So, Cloud. Okay, so you have Zach. This is Zach. Yes. This is where Zach comes into play. Okay. So Zach Cloud is- Shanks him. No, absorbs I wish. That would be a lot more interesting. <laughs> That'd be some like true he's crime like bullshit.
0: It's what she's trying to say. <laughs>
1: So, it's like you yes. have Zach who is soldier first class, mm-hmm. and his whole when he was, and there's a whole game dedicated to this. I don't remember what the name of the game is, but um, he's a soldier first class, and all along, he just wants to be like the great Sephiroth because back then Sephiroth was like a badass, like, ooh, look how cool he is.
2: Yeah, so, they allude to that a little bit in this, right? Game.
1: So, he joins soldier first class, he crisis fall- core. Thank you. He falls in love with Aerith.
2: I was okay. actually about to ask. I was like, "Wait, was he the one?" Because she's like, "I loved a soldier. He was also first class." And at first, I was like, "Sephiroth, are you in love with Sephiroth?" Yeah, no. And that's, then, that's Zach. And then I w- and then as soon as Zach was like dragging Cloud's poor ass around, I was like, "Nah, she probably loved this guy because he looks exactly like Cloud." Ew. So I'm glad that I was correct.
1: Well, yeah, and we'll get to that too. So Zach inherits the Buster Sword from his mentor. At that point, Zach meets Cloud, who failed to make Soldier. So he was just a gunman. But they bond over the fact that they both kind of like came out of like middle of nowhere towns. Like, this is my understanding.
2: Is that so, the middle of nowhere town haircut? Is that just what they give everybody? That's
1: exactly. Yeah, that's what they give the spikes. Like, they can't yeah. control the spikes. That's what they have to do. <laughs> okay, so Sephiroth reads, Sephiroth, and then they go to um, the town where I believe he, where Cloud and Tifa grew up. Sephiroth discovers that he thinks he is um, an ancient, ancient, right? And then he descends into madness, and he thinks that the humans are nothing but blood-sucking parasites, which, like, let's be honest, we are. He destroys the entire town.
2: And that's where he kills Tifa's dad?
1: Yeah. He kills Tifa's dad. Why is she
2: in a cowboy outfit? I,
1: that was just like her outfit. I don't know. It's she's it's because like in
2: any of the, all the other flashbacks where she's with Cloud, she's wearing normal clothes, and then the one where her dad is dead, she's in a fucking western. Well, she <laughs> she was the tour guide. She was showing Cloud and Zack
1: and Sephiroth the makeover. reactor is my understanding, and that was her outfit. Little country bump. I don't know. That That's was her so thing. weird. Japan. Um, so um, Sephiroth goes crazy. Cloud then kills Sephiroth with his spear, I believe, or his um, his weapon, the whatever the thing is called. I can't remember. It's the long the long swords. Anyway, Hojo, remember Hojo, captures mm-hmm. Cloud and Zack runs experiments on them. Decides that they're failures, puts them in a freeze chamber. It basically freezes them for a long for I don't know how long. Zack breaks out. Zach takes Cloud with him, who is still kind of like, whoa, which is in that scene with him and Zach. That is Zach carrying Cloud
2: away, away from the laboratory. Right.
1: But here's the thing is in the original in the original timeline. Zach is killed at that scene. He does not survive.
2: Oh, where he's fighting all of the soldiers right. or not. Yeah, the, right. You know what I mean?
1: Not yeah, the soldier sh- soldier, the sh- but the other the Shinra. Yeah, Yeah. 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 Um, and worth noting that when they were being experimented on by Hojo, that they were both injected with Genova cells. Okay. And that's a okay. big alien. Okay. So, Zack is dying. Zack is like, Yo, dog, I'm dying. Take my buster sword. When Cloud grabs the buster sword, this is my understanding, the Genova, Genova cells between the two of them interact, and Zack's memories imprint on Cloud. So, Cloud... Now thinks he's a soldier first class. Cloud now thinks that he's done all of these things, but those are just Zach's memories, and Cloud has little to no memories of his <laughs> own anymore. So Cloud, Cloud never made it. A loser. Yes. Yeah. So Cloud, Cloud never made it into soldier. Is Cloud? Uh, yeah. He and Cloud doesn't even remember who Zach is at this point.
2: Well, so, so I mean, I knew he wasn't obvious because they even say that in the game, right? Like Hojo right. like, "Oh boy, you weren't a soldier. Yeah, uh, you were a. Uh, clock. Uh, you get cut off. Um." So I thought that was interesting. I wanted them to answer more of that too, because I was like, "Well, what the fuck was it? he?" Clearly, is something. And then when Genova was there, and he's like, "Mom," I'm like, "Mom." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I guess my question, because you said earlier that soldiers were babies or whatever that were merged with the alien cells, but like that's not how Zach or Cloud entered the program. They were regular kids. So were they still trying to do like stem cell research on? slightly older children, too, to become so, a soldier?
1: So here's my understanding, is when Hojo took Zack and Cloud and ran experiments on them, he injected Zack with Genova cells and infused him with, like, Mako and whatnot, but because... Mako. Mako, my bad. Marco. But because Zack had already gone through that process to become a soldier, he wasn't affected by it. But Cloud obviously was, which is why Cloud is kind of, like, the badass that he is today. So my, I think... It's probably why Sephiroth is like super epic. Is they probably because they got him when he was a, like a,
2: like a fetus or some shit.
1: But I think if new people want to join Soldier, they get injected when they're already like
2: full human. Oh, okay, so they they do both. They do I a little Kame a little Kame.
1: Yeah, I believe I believe that's the case. It's kind got of it. it's really funky lore, and it's still like kind of hard to run my to wrap my head around it. But um, maybe
2: it's like Witcher mutant shit. <laughs> Maybe, Yeah, and it's I'm like, sure if i wrong, it could either be a baby or it could be older.
1: Okay, here we go. Here we go. What is Sephiroth? He's an attempt by the it's an attempt by the Shinra Corporation to resurrect a Cetra by using the genetic material of a long-dead being called Genova. Genova was mistakenly believed to be a Cetra in an ancient but was actually an ancient alien race that almost destroyed the planet 2000 years prior. While the subjects of Project Nova were not citra-human hybrids that Shinra wanted, they turned out to be incredible beings of immense strength, speed, and fortitude. Lacking imagination, Shinra made them the top tier of their super soldier program.
2: Lacking so. imagination, yeah. <laughs> Sick burn.
1: Yeah, so it's it's interesting. So that's why with the Zack scene, when you see him, you know, like still living, carrying Cloud to Midgar, you're like, what? Like, is this an... I mean, Zack should be dead in this timeline because Cloud has the Buster Sword, right? right? So is this just another alternate timeline? Like, are we going to be playing between alternate timelines in the next game where Zack lives? Like, that would be fucking mind-blowing.
0: I don't know if it'd be good, though. I feel like when you... Here's the thing. There's, like, so many of these different tropes in literature throughout time about messing with time and time travel... Oh my god, you're my favorite husband ever, <laughs> nah. Um, I was, I texted John and was like, um, "We're having like a thank you so much, darling. We're having a deep cuts conversation about what the fuck is happening in Final Fantasy VII. Yep. Please bring me tequila." <laughs> <laughs> um, and he gave me my talking point as he walked away. Um, and I think that you know what's dangerous about it is that you get into a a situation where narratively you're making caveats for almost anything and everything, and then your, the integrity of your story falls apart. Right? When you're like, oh, you, you woke up and it was all a dream. And it's like, that seems like a really easy write-off, right? So this idea of, oh, well, destiny is writing it off. It's one of the reasons why I think a lot of people, <laughs> this is a very different game, uh, struggled with what they were doing with Chronica in Mortal Kombat 11. Because we just watched Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I was thinking I about that story. But, like, you, they made a godlike creature or literally like a like an elder god who could move time. You can move time around. And when you get to move time around, you can literally make excuses for any plot hole that exists. And I think it's just a slippery slope to sloppy writing, and I hope that they don't slip down the slope. <laughs> this is what I'm trying to
1: say Hey, hey. no, I, I, I agree with put- you. They have to tie it together. It could be yeah. done, but if it is, like ooh, that'd be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think
2: um they could just basically have, even if Zach was supposed to die there, it's similar to Wedge, right? Like where he'll live maybe a little longer. Maybe you do get to play as him for a quick minute because I think that they could probably easily copy paste his animation with dark hair and be just fine. <laughs> um, but then, you know, he does die. Like he'll have to die, right, at some point because he's got the sword. Um, and it just. Yes, yeah, like you said, unless that's a
1: total different timeline where Zach is. That's why it's like, how are they going to do this? Also, where that's kind of interesting is Tifa. The reason Tifa's so hellbent on keeping Cloud around is because she knows something's, like, up and something's not right. Uh, so if you kind of, like, look at her dialogue through that lens... Because, you know, later on in the, in the game, in the original anyway, Cloud starts retelling part of um, his time in Soldier... And all of his scenes in The Soldier are just him and Sephiroth when, in fact, like, it's not Cloud of Sephiroth. It was Zack and Sephiroth, but he has Zack's memories. So when he's retelling all of these things, Tifa's like, yo, dog, something, like, is not right with you. So she, that's why she wants to keep him around and keep such a close eye on him. It's because he seemingly just, like, comes back out of nowhere claiming to have made Soldier when she knows he de- he never did because he came Wait, that- she knows that? Yeah, she knows because she – remember when she did the tour in her little cowboy outfit?
2: I mean, I don't remember her actually giving a tour. Sorry. I just remember her seeing. Yeah.
1: The scene of her in her cowboy outfit is after Sephiroth had killed her dad. And that was when Sephiroth, Zach and Cloud had all come back to their hometown to do a tour of the uh, Mako reactor. And Mako like taco. Yeah. There we go. And Cloud was in his gunman outfit and Zach was in his soldier outfit. So Tifa knows that Cloud never made soldier. So she knows all along that like there's some shit going down.
0: That's so
2: crazy to be like, I'm just going to play along with this because you're clearly mentally it's disturbed.
0: fucked up, I think, is what you mean to say. I don't that's know. That's awful. It's awful that Tifa is playing dumb. It's awful that Aerith is playing dumb this whole time. And I think that that's a weakness. And it bums me out because I like both of those characters. But I don't have respect for people who intentionally deceive to such a great length. I don't know. Okay, okay, so this is the
1: problem, is what would they say to him at this point? I mean, I understand what you're saying, but if they were to say, like, yo, Cloud, like, this is not who you are, he'd be like, but I have all these memories of doing these things, because in his mind, he does. Because all those memories were imprinted onto him, which is why he can do all the really cool moves and whatnot, because that's Zach's shit. So, like, I hear you, but it's kind of like, well, how would that conversation go?
2: It's a a delicate balance, I think, at least in terms of Tifa, because, yeah, if she knows... That's not the case. And you have a friend who's come back after a while and is kind of spouting off, like, seems off, right? Like, can mm-hmm. do these things, but you know didn't make them. I feel like you wouldn't be confrontational about it just yet, especially because he does, like, the weird, staggering shit at times, like, clearly is having issues. Having, like you, You're <laughs> like, okay, my friend's clearly having some mental problems here right now. I don't yeah, know what right. the fuck's going on, but I think right now the last thing I need to do is challenge him on it and try and, like, push him back further Mm -hmm. uh sure no
0: i'm i'm with you there i but i think that there's a way to have that hint of a conversation without fully going into that conversation to sit down with the tequila and be like so are you okay which i feel like cloud has asked a million times actually yeah are you okay
2: okay?" and he's like yeah and i'm like you're clearly not like you're you either have a lot of migraines which you should get checked out or blood sugar issues which you should also get checked out
1: yeah yeah, that's true. But no, it's it's interesting. It's going to be uh, you know, to see what they do with that info, how they like reveal it. Oh,
0: um. So, how many more playable characters are there in the original game? Based off what we had this time, you have Sid, you have Kate Sith,
1: or is it Cat Sith? Is it Kate? It's Kate Sith, isn't it? Uh, let me. I let don't me- remember. So you see a bl- a glimpse of Kate Sith in this game. It's that little cat looking, little fuzzy wuzzy little cat. That like runs oh. out as Sector Seven's being destroyed.
0: Yeah. Also, like, it's almost like, why did they even bother with that? I, I think guess it's, it's just a nod for people, but like, it I, was such a s- small thing. It's a nod, and I'm, I think Kate Sith also appears in that
1: scene in the original. I can't remember, but okay. So you got Cloud, Tifa, you got um, Vincent, and Yuffie, who are two optional characters. That you could recruit, but they're fantastic characters. So I really hope they make them. And you could miss them if you didn't know what to do right. So I hope that they uh, bring them back. Red thirteen, and then Kate Sith, and then you have Sid. I think those are the playable what characters. What the
0: fuck is Kate Sith? Oh, that's what a fascinating question.
1: This? Oh, I don't know if you want me to spoil that, but yeah. You know. I mean,
0: we're this is exactly what we're doing right now. Okay, okay, okay. Can is I Kate, read the deep, Wikipedia deep spoilers?
1: yeah. Yes, I want to read it.
0: Kate it's, Sith is
1: Reeve. Remember what? Reeve? He's the guy in charge of urban development at the Shinra
2: company. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wanna so I wanna read the other thing. Okay. A, he, it's an anthropomorphic, remote controlled plush cat toy yep. standing over just three feet tall with short black fur and a white stomach and face.
1: <laughs> yeah, so he is controlling uh, Kate Sith through um Who Knows What Means. I don't think we ever really truly figure out how he's doing it.
0: Magic. But, yeah. So it's just when you Google Kate Sith, you see this cat on top of like a A giant thing, a blob, like a Kirby-like, but it's it's got like a head. With I think it's supposed to be a Moogle of sorts, a giant, the fattest Moogle
1: of all time. Yeah, I don't know. It looks like a Moogle, does? I don't know, like a weird Moogle with weirdness. Wait, and so you say this is the guy that was in the Shinra Tower?
0: Yeah, yeah, he's uh, a the nice guy.
1: The nice guy, Reeve.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the guy who's, like, trying to do the rebuild process. Right? Yes, yeah. yes. He's concerned
2: yeah. about the actual city of Midgar.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he's uh, the one controlling Kate Sith, and the players don't really find out until, like, obviously much later. He's like, I'm
0: actually a good guy. And you're like, oh, cool. Interesting. Yeah. Gosh, it's just, like, oh. There's just so much. I feel like this is why I've always stayed away from Final Fantasy is <laughs> like the weeds, the weeds of it. That I'm like, okay, this is just like too fantastical. Like I love high fantasy and I love imagination, but like when you let your story go so far off the rails that I'm like, Okay, okay, really, I don't have to eye roll every plot beat that you're going after now. It's kind like of the, like when you're That's gonna, where I like that's where I have trouble.
1: Yeah, I mean that's fair. It's obviously you know all of this info that i'm dumping on you guys is like spread out over the course of probably another 50 to 60 hours or so if not more but it's definitely a thing with Final fantasy games right that's why they're just not for everyone is they do get fucking weird and to me like it's not all that weird because i've always played these games and it's just kind of what i've come to expect but if you're so new to this you're probably thinking like okay this is getting like
2: a little a little too much well because andrew you've said it multiple times you're like it's off the rails at the end And i'm like actually i don't think it is like I, re- I i really don't think it is once i had the context Brittany gave i thought it was off the rails in terms of i didn't know what the fuck was going on when i just played and finished the game on my own but now i'm like oh yeah no i can see all of that and I get, maybe that's just because i've played I, yeah right G's i before. think it's, it's like okay
1: that's to be expected right it's, it's like, like when you, oh
2: yeah yeah. Okay, cool. I am on board. I understand what's happening. Um and cool. We'll just see what happens next and like which yeah. I'm very curious to see how they handle obviously a lot of things in the next game. Um cuz as we've said, could kind of go either way. Could be fucking brilliant. Oh yeah. Or could be a dumpster fire
1: i am just so excited to see what they do i'm in i'm so in and andrea i hope you stick with
0: it too i hope you're not too off put by all the hard truths that we just laid on you no i'm not i'm definitely obviously now that i'm in and like it was interesting i I mentioned this in the show last week when we were talking about it my sister being a huge final fantasy person and forever wanting me to play me always being like no dog not for me um and after playing this she's like so what do you think you're gonna play more final fantasies and i was like hard pass (laughs) The thing for me that really grabbed me about this was that the characters felt relatable. They felt real up until the very end. Um, And more importantly, I really liked the combat in the game. And the combat in this game is unique to this Final Fantasy. There are no other Final Fantasies that do it in this exact way. And so I think it'll be tough for me to go to others. But if they follow this formula and you know maybe refine some of the traversal things that we had little gripes about, I think that the next game is set up for success as long as they keep the story on rails because this has forever been Kingdom Hearts' problem, right? Like that Kingdom Hearts has a cult following of people that are like, this game changed my life. This game means so much to me. But the mass audience is like, what the fuck is happening yeah. in this game? I mean, and that's like Nomura-san, right? And so I think that there needs to be a balance between... How do I control a narrative that's relatable to people in a year like 2020 <laughs> and be like, okay, like, let's keep it together because there's so many other amazing fantasies and amazing other narrative stories that are just out in the world today. Like, the amount of narrative work that's happening today is greater than it has ever been at any point in history. There's so much to choose from. How do I make this story compelling for audiences that maybe didn't give it a shot before? Because you can't just do fan service. You have to make it better right and 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 take it to the next step and like how is square enix going to accomplish that is
2: like the big like rhetorical question yeah
1: like i do wonder
2: if um mechanically they'll keep because i think that they were very particular about the way they did a lot of stuff in this first game for instance as we've discussed before on prior podcasts the fact that you can't switch your party members it the game just switches for you um and the and, like, they took Red 13 out. Like, there's certain things where they're like, we're actually making these choices for you. You don't get them. But I wonder now that we're kind of in uncharted waters a little bit more with the game, if they will start to allow those, those elements back into it. And if in the next one will be like, well, now actually you can have whoever you want in your party with you at all times, depending on what's happening in the story. I hope that they still obviously keep the leveling thing the same. So you have to really worry about that but giving you a little bit more freedom to engage with characters as you would like, I think might be interesting.
1: Yeah, I would hope they would. And most JRPGs do that, right? And Final Fantasy games do that. It's, you know, especially when you have seven, eight characters in your roster, You, I can't imagine them working the story in such a way that those characters aren't going to be available, you know, t- at all like times, or at least during most of the gameplay, right? They should all be there at some point. Y'all are a team. There's no reason why you're going off here and there. And now that especially it's, it should open up to more of a. I can't see them going like full open world, obviously, but like something along those lines, where it's like, okay, we all got to stick together because you know there are parts in Final Fantasy VII where you do split up into teams. So I guess that like makes sense that that was incorporated into this game. But I'm with you, Simmer, because that's fun. That's part of the strategy of it, right?
2: Yeah, I always liked. I actually, I mean, I didn't miss it too much in this because it was only a 30 hour experience. But uh, <laughs> right, isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> yeah. But i i really like that part and i i like building synergies with my team being like okay i know for sure this person has these spells and they have those and like that's the team i've built and these are the people that are going to hang out with me for pretty much the next 80 hours uh and i didn't really like i missed that a little bit with this but i also thought that they did it for a good reason and it made sense so i was okay with it
1: yeah oh it's gonna be interesting
0: Oh, yes. God, that felt so good.
1: Indeed. Oh, I feel so good now. I feel so, like, liberated.
0: Good. Do you feel like you left anything un- unspoken about? Is there anything that you're like, God damn it, we didn't talk about this? No. Even though we didn't talk about Wu Tai, but we can talk about that some other time, I Oh, guess.
1: yeah, yeah. That's a whole other can of worms. Um, <laughs> I'll leave I, that can of worms. Yeah, yeah, I'll leave that one. The other thing I, I just want to say is that final fight with Sephiroth when one winged angel was playing. I thought that was oh. so,
0: so good. What do you mean? Is that a song? Yeah. So One Winged
1: Angel is probably, I'd say, the most famous Final Fantasy VII song, or probably even the, maybe the most famous Final Fantasy song. It's uh, Sephiroth's, like, theme, especially, like, at oh, the end. Oh, where they're, like,
0: where they're like, they, like chanting into the
1: background. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I always listened to that song, even before I even played the game, because I thought it was so good. And they always played it at all the concerts I'd go to, the video game concerts. And hearing how they've taken that game, that song, which is already pretty fucking intense, like... If you have a few minutes, friends, go watch the ending of Final Fantasy VII, the ending fight with Sephiroth, when he, like, descends with his one wing and that song just starts playing. So good. Anyway, they took it and they just completely, like, remastered it in a way that's even more intense and even more incredible than the first one. And they extended it by, like, five or six minutes, I think. It is just so well done. And when they were playing that in the background and the way they were timing like the major chorus and the major beats and the chanting with the actions you were doing, it was so good. Oh, <gasps> Anyway, that was just, like, the, the last thing I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to give a nod to that song because it was just so,
0: so good. Do you feel like you've been, you've been cleansed that your catharsis has happened?
1: I do. I feel like I can go, like, just take a nap now. I feel like all of my pent-up frustrations in life have been relieved from me from talking about Final Fantasy VII with you
0: two. So, so now what are you going to play? You want to come play Destiny?
1: Is this where I
0: tell you that Yakuza Kiwami came out on Xbox One this week? Yeah, it was really cute. I had someone say, hey, Yakuza Kiwami is on
1: Xbox One, which is, it starts with Yakuza Zero, and then it goes to Yakuza Kiwami, Kiwami 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. I'm like, I'm almost done with 5. I am so far past Kiwami right now. I finished that game. Like I started Kiwami an hour after I finished Yakuza Zero, but I am getting close to finishing my Yakuza series, and then from there I'm going to have to start playing something else.
2: What am I going to do? I can't believe how you just blasted through. <laughs>
1: Girl, I never, ever would have anticipated this happening. I mean, I am just like literally hooked. It's it gives me the same feeling I got when I was watching like True Blood in the sense that you you once you start one, you can't stop. Like you want to keep see you want to see what Tana happens, Pringles, baby. Oh, yeah. And it's all the same characters, more or less. And there's so high drama and action. It's just like my perfect kind of like flick. But it's a game. So I'm just obsessed with it.
0: Well, we'll talk about your adventures in Yakuza (laughs) next week, but we hope you enjoyed this Final Fantasy VII Remake spoiler cast and then the Deep Cut spoiler cast. Thanks for sticking with us, everybody, and thanks for supporting What's Good. If you missed the Patreon streams, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash Games and watch the archives. And also, if you haven't marked your calendars for May 16th, it's our anniversary stream. We'll have more details to announce on that in the coming weeks. But for now, enjoy the rest of your weekend. We love you guys. Goodbye.